see anyone. Can you see me? <laughs> I can't see anybody. Wait, <laughs> you, you, you tell me. I thought you just had to flick a I also can't see anyone either. Yeah, yeah none of us see can see each other. <laughs> well, I just, I don't know. I just assumed that you were doing something. Like about to turn it on. Yeah. 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 Holy shit. Sounds like a you problem, bro. Not oh us. my Where's god. How do I, uh. Do I, do I have to, like, let you in or something? Oh, the fuck. Let us in. It yeah, the stream is live anyway, so the people can see us, I can see all of you, like but you oh. guys can't see each other. So we, it's almost yeah. like a yeah, weird we Netflix I would want to see everybody. I want to see show. everybody. Uh, can't see shit! Can't see shit. Oh, I know what's wrong. I know, I know what's wrong. Fix it. Fix it. Yeah, fix it. I'm working on it. Fix it faster. I'm going to continue the tradition of eating. Right at the beginning of every podcast oh. Does it work now? Nope. Does it work now? Yeah, there we go. No, there, no, we go. No, there we go. Right. There we go. Yeah. 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 All right. We can see each other. Are we going to talk about the new uh, Fortnite icon skin on this podcast? Yes, like, absolutely. Send me what some about the new going. Zelda game? Can we talk about that as well? Can we talk about that? New Zelda game? No, we can't. Yeah, yeah. Cheers yeah. of the Dude, kingdom. Fuck Zelda. Kingdom. What do you Pikmin mean, Four. Whoa, Pikmin Four. Pikmin. Pikmin. Oh yeah. Pikmin does look like it goes hard. Pikmin, bro. Like uh, Pikmin, Pikmin is hard. No, Pikmin Four is for men with class. Four-year-olds. No. Pokemon Stadium on the N64 thing. If you have the membership. Pretty sick. I might actually just have to buy a Switch so I can play all the the Pikmin games. I haven't had the chance to play. You get to play on the level as the Pikmin now. Like, you are the Pikmin. You no! Are the Pikmin. I haven't actually watched the trailer yet. I just saw they announced Pikmin 4. Because I didn't... I've only looks, played Pikmin 1 cool. and 2. And I've been wanting to play Pikmin 3. Boys. So I'm like, I just gotta do... I'm, I just need to buy a Switch and just do a full playthrough of all the Pikmins on stream. They're good games. Get the OLED. I fucking love them. How, how delayed is my camera chat? Is it bad? Because I don't really give a fuck. Looks good to me. Me. So yeah, here's fine. the problem. I, I have audio of you guys coming from somewhere and I can't figure it out. And that's why there's a delay because my micro. I, never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. We're just going to do the fucking show and it'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. Volume okay. is loud. Volume is good. All right. Volume is good. It seems fine. All right. We, uh, we're ready to jump into things, guys. <sighs> yeah. What are we talking about? Uh, I put that in the Discord. Yeah, I but didn't, um, I didn't look. We're, we're yeah, talking about I, the summer showdown tournament and uh, then some general uh, Overwatch okay, drama. People but what if we discuss game. Pikmin and which yeah. Pikmin cl talk about class Pikmin. do you think is the best? Do you Welcome water to Pikmin? episode 143. Pikmin? I'm here reinforced with Jaws, Costa, and Avast. And Avast is here to talk about Pikmin. Yeah. Yes. So Pikmin. Better than Legend of Zelda. Actually, no, comment below. Actually, incorrect. Co no, no. Comment below. Let that that be our comment. Which franch Which Nintendo franchise is better? Pikmin, Legend Pikmin. of Zelda, or Pokemon? Okay. There we go. That's not well, even. Okay. A, that's well, so now we're gonna just. What do you mean? Now we're both gonna get blown out by fucking Pokemon. Pokemon. That was a terrible. No, no, no. no we're not. No, we're not. There's plenty of Legend of Zelda lovers. No, Pokemon is the number one best, like highest grossing media franchise of all time. Wait, okay, what? I don't care. I mean, I mean, that doesn't mean. I mean, the Fast what and Furious made like nine movies. That doesn't mean shit. I'm just saying that, like, there. I'm just saying that there's 
we there could be avid Pikmin lovers, avid Legend of Zelda lovers, and avid Pokemon. I'm looking. Here's what I'm saying. I'm looking at chat right now, and I have no, I, there's one dude who's saying that Pikmin is good. Like, is this okay? So that one guy is right. Everyone else is wrong. Give them VIP in the channel. That guy's right. <laughs> you can give VIP. I'll give this guy VIP. Thank you. Thank you. Is it Wesley Wayne? No, I don't know. Sorry. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, isn't Super Mario Bros. the most successful video game franchise? Oh, really? Does po I would say Pokemon clears is Pokemon, Probably, highest right? media Pokemon. grossing franchise. Do you know what's number two? Hello Kitty. Highest yeah, grossing fair. video game franchises. It's oh, not a video right. game Pokemon. franchise, it's just a 90 franchise. billion dollars! Oh, Shit, Pokemon yep. is enormous. 90 like, billion! Let's go! That's more let's than go. what Activision Blizzard is worth, according to uh, the sale. Yeah. <laughs> By yeah. a little Mario, bit, you know? 30 billion. Wow. No, you know crazy. what the better game is? All of those ones? Overwatch, you know? Yo! There you go, Johnny, that's the transition. Here. Go. Yeah! Even, yeah! Yeah! Uh, Overwatch is not in there. World of Warcraft is in there though. <laughs> 10 billion. Oh, yeah! Wow. That game's been gone for, going for 20 years. I mean, years. that is digital crack cocaine. I mean, I'll put Overwatch over Pokemon. That's fair. I know. I mean, I don't like Pokemon. So. How do you not like Pokemon? Do you just hate I just fun? I just, don't like, I, like pick, I just don't like Pokemon that much. They're he just, just likes Pikmin. He just likes like Pikmin. Pikmin. That's it. I like Pikmin. Oh. Did you play Pikmin on the original GameCube and that's why you have I an played, undying love I for it? I played Pikmin on the original GameCube, Pikmin 1 and 2 on the GameCube, and I've been yeah. meaning to buy a Switch they for the longest good time. But now bad. that Pikmin 4 is releasing and I haven't played Pikmin 3, I have to get a Switch. Okay, so, so did you not have a Game Boy when you were a kid to play Pokemon? I had a Game Boy. I had a Game Boy, tried to play Pokemon, never liked Pokemon? it. You never wow. liked Pokemon. Didn't really like it. I played what Silver, I played Ruby. Dude. That Chris is about to come from nowhere and fucking fly kick you. Yeah, if I, had told, if I had told Rose this, we never, Rose and I didn't have the conversation when we were at Toronto. I never actually brought up my dislike of Pokemon, but she would have. You wouldn't have made it back. Oh, your dislike. It's not even like, oh, I don't really prefer Pokemon. I don't really like it. It's like you dislike Pokemon. I mean, honestly, it's, I'm mostly I say I dislike just to make people, just for interactions. I really just I don't care, you know, yeah. about Pokemon. But I do find it, I will say for the past, like, it feels like for the past 10 years, it's been re-releasing the same shit, you know? Everyone just keeps buying it. But it's yeah. like, you know, that's just... But to be fair, like, what do you... There's no, if it's not broken, don't fix it, right? If it's working, yeah. just keep doing the same thing. So, like, that's fair sure. enough. I'm going to give them credit for that because better to release something good over and over again because people like it than trying to fix it and you make it fucking ass. Yeah, All right. and make $90 billion in the process. Yeah, it's pretty sick. And transitioning from that, uh, we're heading into our very first topic of the day, which is the Overwatch Battle Pass. Alright, look, we're going to get to the Summer Showdown and everything involved with the games and everything, but we got a couple of topics to just quickly cover. Uh, and first of all, it's the Battle Pass. I'm going to complete, be completely honest, guys. I was so fucking busy this past weekend with the commuting and working the four matches and everything. I, I just, I, I have no idea what went on in the outside world or even like in the, the peripheral like gaming world. I have no fucking idea. But apparently people were really mad. There were some stuff that... Um, leaked out on the website or something that hinted that the, uh, the, the new hero upon Overwatch 2 release is behind some kind of battle pass mechanic. And people instantly took that message, that subtle little accidental leak, and just made it the worst, worst possible assumption uh, you could possibly do, and proceeded to hate on uh, the Overwatch franchise and uh, just uh, try to start some boycotting campaign. Uh, I, basically, it sounds like people just have fit, pitchforks, and I don't know what the fuck's going on. 
Um, it doesn't seem that bad. I just want to quickly talk about this because I know for a fact that some of you guys just don't even want to like talk about this. So let's just quickly go through it. Like, what's going on, and uh, why is this stupid? Um, yeah, I, I I think people are unreasonably mad. I you know we're Overwatch, right? People are finding any reason to be mad at Overwatch. So I think this is adding to the list. I think it is uh, one of those things that people are just upset that there hasn't been any transparency or any like um updates about this you know we're a couple of weeks few weeks out of the from the game and this is like the first we've heard about this that heroes will not be available on their release so the tldr of it is that there was a leak that came out on the website that said uh like when you get the battle pass you'll get the new hero karika or whatever her name is um so then people were like whoa 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 you're telling me that this hero won't be available if we don't have the battle pass and then uh that led to a massive meltdown that led to john specter making the tweet that he did that then people also decided to freak out about because it's essentially him just saying, yes, uh, it will be in the battle pass, but it will be in the free admin. So the way it seems like it's going to work from my assumption is uh, that the new heroes that are going to be coming out, they'll be a part of the free battle pass. You will get the hero if you buy the battle pass. And there's been rumored that you get all like uh, people have said that you'll get the hero at the end of the, like at the end of that season, just by default. Obviously, this is just assumption along with everyone else who has said anything ever, like, cause we don't actually have the information. So for me, I think people should just pitch the, put the pitchforks down uh, for now until we have full transparency of what's gonna happen. Um, but, you know, people aren't gonna like this as well, but this is just industry standard. Every other game does this. You can say Overwatch isn't every other game, but it's a free to play game these days with Battle Pass system um and it's very common for me as long as they're not putting multiple heroes behind a wall and that if returning players aren't missing a big chunk of the hero pool i don't think it's that big of a deal i mean i i, I will say that like you guys have played some league of legends sometimes and like i haven't really been able to get into the game one of the most restrictive things that i find like getting into league of legends as an example is just like i don't have access to like any of the heroes and i have to play like the free rotation kind of heroes or legends, right? I don't know what the fuck they're called. Champions? That's what it's called. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how much I know about it. But it's just like, I literally don't like own any hero in the entire game. But so just having one per battle pass in Overwatch that is blocked away doesn't seem like that huge of a deal at all. And also, I would ask people, if you didn't think that you'd have to like unlock the hero some kind of way or you just get it for free how the fuck did you think they were going to monetize the game when you heard that it was going free to play well i assume they i just made this basic assumption people... jack like i don't i don't get the big okay. deal i mean cosmetics they already talked now. about hang on a second uh yeah i think people just kind of assumed that every hero might be free and then it's they're just gonna do the skins and the battle pass but um not a lot of games just do that where they release the heroes agents fucking operatives champions for free and then they just have skins um i think league is a bit of an interesting one because that game has been around since 20 what is it 2010 um so 12 years at this point like that's insane and a lot of people that have played since like i've been playing since what 2012 2013 if I went back now, I, I didn't even have all the heroes on uh, champions unlocked, and I've been playing since then. Uh, if I went back now, I'd definitely be missing like a good 30, 40 of them. You only um, start with like 15, 20% of the hero champs as well, right? When you first start. De they, yeah, they definitely changed 
how you unlock things now in League of Legends. Like back when I used to play, like back in my day, you know, it was like, okay, new fucking champion comes out and it was IP and RP. RP was the premium currency. IP was the in-game, like you earned currency. It cost 6,300 for the champion or 950, I think, which was $10 for a champion. And like, I think any kind of new player like yourself, Johnny, getting into League of Legends now, unless you do like the battle pass model, with, not Battle Pass, sorry. Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass, where they gave all the champions for free. Um, it's impossible. Like, good fucking luck. You have to pay for years, bro, to unlock, like, most of the most of the champions. But then you also don't change champions mid-game, right? That's a whole other fucking topic. Uh, that's, I think that's the thing people are upset about, is that they say Overwatch is fundamentally a different game because you can switch heroes in the middle of the round. I also think it's different to like a ga game like Valorant or Apex uh, because Apex, the gunplay remains the exact same regardless of the hero that you're playing. So it's not as big of a deal. I think there's absolute merit and I think there's, I can understand why people are upset. Um, but I don't know. It, it, I just think the idea that people, this is like the breakpoint for them is like surprising to me. As I said, if you want to boycott Overwatch, go ahead, like go play Valorant and go see what they do with their game because it's, if not more egregious than what Overwatch is planning to do at this point. So it, it's just, it's market standard. Like this is how games are played. This is how games make money. And the optimistic thing that you should be about this, like a lot of the people complaining don't understand why they're doing this. They just think they're being greedy. It creates that positive uh, live game service that incentivizes them to release heroes, release skins, release content, because if the hero is behind the battle pass, that will increase battle pass sales, which will then therefore justify them making more battle passes, releasing more heroes, releasing more skins, and just putting money into the game. You don't have to buy any of these things. Yes, you can say, if I don't have this hero, I'm going to lose. Maybe they're overpowered. But if it's only ever one hero, it's not going to be that big of a deal in your ranked games as much as you think it is. If you're high enough ranked, you're going to have it. If you're a low enough rank, it does not matter. Like people are saying, oh, what if I didn't have Junker Queen in this meta? How many of you were going to play Jotes in your ranked games? None. Like very few people are going to play the, like the hard, hard meta uh, in the situation. It's only nine weeks and we don't even know how easy it is to attain through the free model. Also, every fucking champion in League that they release is OP. Like... Jesus Christ. What was the um oh what was the guy that was like based off of Egypt, I think, that could decrease spawn timers and shit like that? Oh that like when Yasuo Yeah, yeah, him. And then like when Yasuo came out where um oh what's Yasuo's basic clone? Fuck, Yor Yoru? No, that's fucking I don't know. Anyway. Uh but yeah, what I'm saying is like a lot of champions of league when they are released, they're pretty fucking overpowered. Like, but at the end of the day, you're pr look, if you don't have the fucking money to, to buy for that shit, yeah, you can just wait. And if the if you get the hero at the end of the battle pass, or like when the new battle pass goes no, over, John said it was hero, on a free track. Like you literally just have to play oh, the sure, game okay. and you'll yeah. unlock it. Yeah. But like if someone, it, my point, Johnny, was like if someone skips like that season or that battle pass, if they do get unlocked for yeah, free, you're like, it. yeah, exactly. It's like, Eh, and Jake had a really good thread on it. It's definitely worth yeah. reading about um, hero switching and like how it will impact the game. And like Scott said, probably not a whole lot. Look, at the end of the day, like people don't fucking switch often. Like that's really not what Overwatch, well, it was kind of designed for that. That's not really how players play. Like, yeah, <laughs> like at all. So I, I, I don't get the li like, okay, I understand where like the live switching argument comes from, but couldn't you just theoretically do this in other games too? We're just like, 
Hey, I'm queuing ranked solo. I hope that one of my four teammates have the new overpowered champion in League of Legends. So we have it on our team. Otherwise, we're screwed. Isn't it the yeah. same? Yeah, in League, it's a little bit different, I will say, as another kind of counterpoint to that, because you can ban heroes. Oh, you oh. ban champions. And more often than not, when... Well, that seems like the sensible direction for us in Overwatch then. I'm not sure if they do this... <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not sure if they do this anymore, but they did restrict the new champion like a week or two weeks after release of it, and then it gets released in ranked. Can't remember, but if you've ever played League for a long enough period of time where you've seen multiple champions release, everybody in ranked bans the new champion because it's overpowered or like they don't know how to play against it. That's a, like a small counterpoint to that. But I think Rainbow Six Siege is kind of a good look at that too because then you switch sides. Unlike Valorant, you end up switching to defender, defender characters. So if you don't have the maybe the OP one or like one that's really good or just new, then yeah, you're, I guess technically you're going to be at a disadvantage, but that's a lot of that is like gunplay as well. So there's also uh, Overwatch is just very unique in that aspect and the way that you can change heroes within the game. I want to add as well, like there's been a lot of misinformation. I feel like going around because people get their sources for these kind of things from Wizbot. I don't know where people are getting this narrative from, but I heard this. Uh, people are saying that if you do not have all the heroes, you will not be able to play ranked. Which that, that seems that sounds just false, just flat yeah, false. You saying no that way. that's essentially saying that you need to pay money to play ranked. If that is true, I will pick up my pitchfork with everyone else and be like, "This is just fucking ridiculous." You can't hide a game mode and the primary competitive game mode behind a wall of you have to buy the battle pass or play like even if it's only you're going to play 25 competitive game uh, like uh unrated games or quick play games like that's unreasonable just let people play rank like if that is true i think i'd be very upset as well but people are just saying that as fact and i haven't seen any trustworthy source come out and say that uh, unless there's just a john specter tweet or a big game developer like or blue post i think there hasn't been much communication which is another thing to be upset about but i think a lot of people are just making these big assumptions or just reading unsourced information and then just running it with back uh wait is you think it's unreasonable to play 25 quick play games before ranked for every single ranked game yeah for every single competitive season yes Oh, sure. For everything. I'm not saying for, I, for, for, for launch, I think rank probably won't be out directly on. Well, launch, yeah, so especially, well, I mean, based off the current Overwatch one model, don't they still have it to be like a certain level? Before you start, I'm reading YouTube right? chat. It's a 4chan leak. Guys, no, yeah. this is what you guys is like. Listen to what you're saying. It's a 4chan leak. Like, what do you like? How are you guys running with this information? Like, um, well, just so wait for Spectre I mean, or somebody to tweet about it, bro. Like we don't know shit, essentially. Yeah, yeah, we don't know exactly. shit. Which also, this by is the way, why it's is, so stupid. Yeah. Which also, well, I mean, that's a whole separate problem, though. Is also like, would you know Overwatch Two is releasing anytime soon? <laughs> that's another separate a ton issue. Of is like, no, <laughs> I, that's I, a separate I, issue here. Is like, what exactly? Yeah. Now, great, I, I, I find myself. I work on the Overwatch League, and I find myself having to ask people like, when does Overwatch Two release again? Like, what's Dude, the I mean, that's date? a separate <laughs> issue here. But also, it depends on like what what they're going to do i mean because some people have been like oh well apex legends released no marketing well, i was like okay well also that was a brand new game that was a game that also uh did not have like a malignant history attached to it and people actively rooting for it to fail from its launch um <laughs> yeah. so like True. i think that's like very different situations so i don't really know what's going on in that front either but i, I think all this hero shit just in from the fact that we're looking at this from the current model and we're no longer in that model anymore like it's just like everyone's like well it's overwatch one it's like well no like 
Because also what happens, you brought up example, Johnny. It's like, yeah, League is so hard to get into, right? Because there's so many champions. Okay, well, isn't that just going to be Overwatch 2 in three years? What if there's just like 80 heroes? Would Overwatch 2 be hard to get into? Like the uh, that point was, being that is was that, not like, really my point though. That was that like there were no, no, no. But I'm many... saying, but I'm saying the point being like, I'm just saying that like eventually every game is gonna get to that point where like if there's a ton of releases and a ton of heroes, every point gets to there. But like the the more the more salient point of that I was gonna say was that like we don't know how many heroes are gonna be released all the time because I the the main issue I have with this hero gating is more so like what's being gated. How much is being gated, and how many heroes are we going to have that do similar roles? Like, if it launches upon release, we're like, "Oh, Lucio is gated." Well, it's like, "Well, that's turbo fucked," because <laughs> Lucio is the only one that does like what Lucio does, right? While like, if you're telling me the new hero is gated, and she does something that's like, yeah, unique, but like you can, it's not something so unique that like no one else can do it, because that's the the main thing with League versus like, yeah, sure, League releases a new champ that's busted. But there's tons of other champs that can still perform similar roles. Just maybe not their kits. Not as good, right? While there are current heroes in Overwatch that only do that. They own, there's only one hero that has Matrix. There's only one hero that has like a sound barrier, right? Like that's but, um, the thing to me that's the current issue. But that could be solved if they just have a lot of heroes released. And then it's like, fine, you gate whatever, right? Like that's, that's not are you Are you saying that you think that certain heroes that we have now are going to be gated or are you using that as like i'm just saying i'm just i i don't i'm not asserting anything i'm simply saying if that happens that's bad right i'm just saying like gating is not an issue if it's done in a way where we're not gating heroes that only that are the only hero that can do this thing right is sure. the problem. because the thing with league thing with valorant is like valorant everyone has the same guns also be all so there's a lot of agents in valorant that can do similar roles a lot of agents can all do similar roles, similar things. No one, there is no agent that only does this, and no one like Lucio is the only one that can speed and sound barrier, right? And, and like and do those sort of things. Uh, but there's three, there's like four different controllers, right? That can all smoke and control areas and balance, right? Is the point being there? Yeah. So that that's the sort of thing I'm talking about here with Overwatch is that Overwatch is unique in that like there's a lot, there seems to be a lot of heroes, but somehow they went through a philosophy where like all of them are so unique that no one else does certain heroes jobs which is the problem with gating like if let's say we have a hard Pharah right we have a hard mercy Pharah and diva is still the only person that has a matrix and can contest high ground initially and that hero is gated i'm not saying diva is going to be gated by the way i'm not saying that i'm just saying that's the current issue with overwatch and gating is that certain heroes are are still designed where only they have this kit no one else does this function that's not a problem though if they just release a bunch more heroes that have overlap like that's not an issue then, and that's the main problem. All this thing from negating and problems like that is just they just need more fucking heroes. <laughs> they just need more fucking heroes, and that's like really it. So I don't have a problem with gating myself because once again, like eighty percent of the rank populace is not swatching, not swapping heroes. Actually, probably closer to ninety percent. Ten percent of the populace is swapping heroes, but a lot of times, like it's still like irrelevant, like what you're exactly playing. Like, it's more so we just need to make sure that the, as we move forward and how they do the gating doesn't lock off anyone that can only do this one function um, perfectly and that they're designing heroes that have overlap as we move forward. That's the heart of the gating argument to me. I don't give a shit if you have to pay for heroes. I don't give a shit if they get gated. I just care that they do it in a way that makes sense. Exactly. That's really it. Yeah. I don't know how all that shit's going to go down, so...
Yeah, I mean, I, I hope we get to that point someday because I'm like, you know, what, what would it take to create more unique heroes at some point? Like, they'd have to fucking break the game. Because uh, we, we got a pretty vast variety of heroes at this point already. I have a, 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 a con wrapping a conclusion to this topic, though. I, I think the biggest takeaway is just, like, there's a lot of misinformation, rumors going on, and, like, we're, we're just better off, like, waiting for the actual details. And, you know, we'll on, here on Platchat, we'll discuss at length what the battle pass actually looks like the, the the levels required to unlock heroes if you're going to play and all that shit like we'll actually discuss that when the official information is released and we know more and it's not some speculation from fucking 4chan uh which it seems to be so uh that that sounds about right to me all right and if no, we can't get outraged i want to be outraged right now i want to be pissed. outraged i want to be fucking livid i want to shout at my friends and i, I want to be a justice or of society exactly i want to shout at people that have nothing to do with the fucking game and call them cunts but dude i actually we have to say that i have to tell this story too because Toronto was like so <laughs> uber he announced his second child you know he's they have a second kid leaks and, dinner. Oh, yeah. and 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 we're like, oh, like, congrats, Mitch. And, like, John Spector <laughs> comments on Mitch's post. He's like, oh, thank congrats, Mitch. Like, so happy oh, for you. No. And someone right underneath that post was like, John Spector, don't leave your fucking house. This battle pass, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> what? And, like, over, like, John Spector, over John Spector fuck. just congratulated Uber over having a second child. People are like, fucking... I will kill you over the battle pass in Overwatch 2. I will murder you. What and the so, like, just, just he is... riot, wild shit. It, it, the thing that... Is crazy to me is these people are just you guys you are just a guy that plays overwatch and wants to play overwatch like people get angry at me and i assume some of you guys for being like optimistic or hopeful about overwatch 2 this is literally what we do for our livelihood it is our job to enjoy be hopeful and all that kind of stuff like we care more about this game than you do like what are you getting so mad at like these people john specter it is his full job to make sure this works why do you care so much to give hatred and just like death why threats would he to all want this shit to fail and also They're making it to succeed to make money it's also going to afford this room bro how am I gonna afford this room in these fucking fish tanks if I don't have a fucking job? Yeah, well, I guess well, to be fair, carry. to be fair, I do think that's there's I mean, it's a little it, it's obviously a little people have complaints about their products they consume and they want them to be done in a way that's fun. And like just because you're financially invested in it doesn't mean that we should be able like it, I mean there's the argument of like, you know, we're people earn money from this game. So like, we'd obviously be more biased to present it in a positive light versus being realistic, right? I'm not saying anyone's doing that here. I'm just saying that's that. the counter. <laughs> but I mean, in which case, I mean, I, I mean, personally, Scott, I don't feel like, obviously I understand why you have to be in a position. Like I, I don't work for anyone in official capacity where I have to like, I give my, I don't want to present the game in a positive or negative light. I'm presenting the game how it appears to me, you know? And but, that's just like how it is for me, at least. But I understand that for everyone else. And but that, you also, I don't think you should be surprised if people are going to get angry at you if you try to put a positive spin on things. I, it's no, not positive. My my frustration is that, as I said, obviously I'm going to be biased towards it because like I want the game to be good and I'm hopeful about it. But the frustration that I have is that people just get so unreasonably mad about these kind of things without any form of context or understanding of what they're being oh, mad yeah, about, 100%. and then they go to another level and hit an extreme as if this is like life and death choices behind them like if you re here's my thing if you really fucking hate overwatch and the direction that blizzard is going with this game just don't play it 
Like you don't have to play. You haven't spent money on this game. And I think there is just too much like hatred on the internet these days. And I like, this goes back into the Kilo situation that's happening right now is like, if that is, if this is such a big thing that you need to like threaten someone or their life or anything like that, or even just send hate towards that player, like, or person, just, you need to take a step back because it's just so unrealistic and uh, unreasonable what you're doing. I, I agree with that. I think I think people are allowed to have criticisms. I think you can't veer into like the crazy lunatic world of yeah, threatening no, people. That's absolutely or fair. also, why does everyone want to like hate consume the media and like then comment and tell people like how stupid they are versus just like, oh, this is dumb. Okay, I'm gonna move on my day. Yeah. Like hundred percent. But also that's like a more fundamental issue with humanity. And then we have to get into like, you know, the scripture and theological discussions and such. So like that's all those things but i i do agree with that yeah i mean i'm i'm pretty uh fuck what's what's the word i'm looking for i'm, I'm pretty uh down on swedish the yeah i'm pretty swedish that mm. is actually factually correct yes uh genetically uh biologically i am in, in fact swedish um i don't know since i i was a, when growing up i was a huge fan of um total biscuit and his videos he was like the one youtuber i watched like all the time and he used to make like these videos and he was you know very much ingrained in the debate of like you know what what is what is good behavior from like video game developers and what is bad behavior what is like ripping the consumer off um you know one of his big things were like you should never like pre-order a game because you're like giving money to the developers before you even know like what you're getting like stuff like that so um i always thought that like total biscuit was someone who i respected a lot you know obviously very unfortunate he passed away some years ago but since since then the, the, it feels like there's been a bit of a void of like some actual like rational kind of quote-unquote game journalist that actually like looks at this in a very you know moderate kind of way and, and reflects reflects on it um whereas like as you guys mentioned like right now there 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 are definitely certain twitter accounts that are very popular that people treat as like factual and objective whereas they're actually just tweeting one kind of bias because they get more engagement that way and they feel some kind of more self-fulfillment from the way they're tweeting and they feel some kind of like they're doing something good to society when they're actually like tweeting with a bias so you know and then um so yeah i mean it overall i, th I think it's um oh, pretty disappointing pretty disappointing well we'll have to see when the official information comes out and and, and see uh see see what's going on with that um and also to key back to your point just quickly 10 seconds um where you commented that like because we work for the league and like we have bias and stuff like that i think that's sometimes used as an excuse for fans where they disagree with us so like oh they're paid surely they they must just be you know spouting this because they get paid and they don't actually take our opinion as like our actual opinion they think it's like a paid opinion so you know it's just uh you know i think that me and custa we have like differing opinions on like the future of the overwatch esports space and what like what should be going on but you know just because i you know i i i still feel strongly about the overwatch league going into like the next year you know if overwatch 2 is good people are like oh well you get paid join so your opinion is false and uh you know i'm not going to take it at face value so that's pretty frustrating sometimes uh and that goes for the battle pass and everything positive in the overwatch uh, space as well i cannot speak positively about overwatch because it's a paid opinion according to some people um, no, I agree. That's that's really dumb. I anyway. agree with that. I, that was my point. Yeah. Um, another situation that happened this past week that I was not too um, ingrained with, uh, but it's very fortunate, and I think we should just mention it quickly here on the Platchat podcast. Uh, obviously, I was very much focused on the Summer Showdown and like all the games and all that stuff and not, not a lot of time for other stuff. But the other thing that blew up was the um, 
Molly went out and commented on stream and social media. I don't think, know exactly where he made these comments. But basically said that uh, he underwent a lot of emotional abuse when he was on the Guangzhou charge. Um, and that also is a similar situation to we've heard from former Guangzhou charge players in the past where they've left the team and said that they had a pretty bad experience on that team. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty heinous situation if you actually go back and look. Molly initially didn't want to actually comment on who who within the team was was making these comments and were were was abusing him like emotionally um he said that it was like everyday stuff uh you know to push him down and make him feel bad um and it seems like it, it this is this is such a contentious topic I'm, I'm very like scared to make assumptions here but it seemed like it was develop who was formerly on the shanghai dragons joined going to a charge and there seems to be some kind of tie-in between the whole um korea versus china racism stuff going on in where you know for example last year we had mcd on the boston uprising who had some unfortunate comments about um, chinese players in rank games stuff like that and this seems to be another situation where um some koreans uh treated molly disrespectfully and abused him because um he was chinese um and it's obviously a very heinous awful situation uh i feel for molly he commented uh, elsewhere that he it even went to the point where he had suicidal thoughts and thinking about taking his own life because he felt so bad about it um very awful very grim awful stuff and i i i i hope this doesn't go on anywhere else in the league because it's you know so far from it's totally unacceptable and very frustrating i hope that the going to charge management comes out and comments on the situation actually make steps to um look into this and make sure that you know some of these players actually get like some kind of training or um you know actually like be made aware that, like how awful this is um to prevent this from happening in the future um yeah it's, it's just very awful in general um i just wanted to quickly mention it here on the podcast i don't know if you guys have any additional thoughts but it deserved to be mentioned because it's very severe and um i i want to bring this to light so anyway yeah, I, 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 uh, it's pretty bad. Go ahead. I think you go first, Scott. You go I, first. Yeah. My take is like I, I saw, I saw it and read a bunch of stuff. The, the hard part that I had, like, because I was following it very initially, was there's just a lot of like stream translations, a lot of things that it was hard to really get a full uh, picture of it. But as you said, a lot more information has come out over the last little bit. No one should be getting harassed, as you said, especially when it comes uh, racially motivated and. Yeah, obviously the players need to do better, but I think the teams, the Overwatch League teams and management need to do a better job of catching these things as well, right? You are supposed to be the person. We have a lot of very young kids here in this league who don't have a lot of experience and it's very easy. Like as an organization and as a team, you need to be, you need to be monitoring these things and recognizing when these things are happening uh, because it's shit should never get to the point that a player feels like the only option that they have is an all. Uh, and, you know, I hope that Molly does better and he's in a better place now and that he can get the help so that he feels like he can get back in the server because he's a fucking great player, and I would love to see him play more. Yeah, I mean, this is fundamentally, when you read things like this, is a fundamental issue staff. It's with your... This is a problem with your organization at the level. Like, people... Like, obviously, when you have... If you have players having these sort of issues, which, by the way, is not... I'm not saying it's it's like common by any means, like especially not these sort of like racially motivated things. But you do have very often the Overwatch League in mixed rosters in the past where 
rosters have kind of split down the middle. Um, not because of like finding anyone being like disliking someone else from another nation or disliking someone's racial like racial characteristics, or but more so like just because staff does not do a good job of bringing mixed rosters together, and so everyone because of comfort splits into like the Korean and the Western divide, and it happens a lot. It's happened a lot in Overwatch. It continues to happen, and that can include to happen with rosters of Chinese and Korean players, obviously. So it's not so much a Western versus Eastern divide, but more. So versus Chinese divide, correct? And that is a failure of staff uh, through and through. And it happens a lot because, like, the thing is, a lot of coaches and managers and stuff are, like, they can be good at what they do, but they're not necessarily good at the, the people skills associated with alleviating those. And you need a lot of structure to deal with different cultures, different languages, all different expectations of the rosters because of that that come together. Um, and personally here, when I read the Molly situation, this is even beyond that because... This was apparently exacerbated by staff at the charge, according to Molly. It was not just players, uh, what he referred to, like, developed specifically, that were, like, harassing him. And even MK Lee at points, who said, like, some crazy shit. But more so, like, their ma own manager, who I believe the name was John Song, was specifically named by him, was the worst of them in terms of harassing him and, like, making sure that he did not get, uh, that he was receiving some sort of bad treatment, right? So that's a wholly separate issue, right? Because your staff is the one that has to solve these issues. And if your staff is the people doing it, then that's just a fundamental failing. Of the staff. And once again, that's somewhere where they should be going higher than the manager. Like the coaches at that point should be going above the manager and being like to the GM. They should be going to the owners. They should be going to everyone being like, hey, like this is like, so all the way through and through, it's a failure of the staff. Like obviously it doesn't excuse when players are assholes or players are doing discriminatory things, but at the end of the day, the people with the power to fix it and the people that, whose job is to fix it are the staff, the coaches, the, the GMs, the managers. And that fell through on that front. So that's like a, just a complete organizational failure, especially if it's a member of your own staff that's supposedly a part of doing this. You know, now obviously we're hearing a he said, he said situation. So we don't really know like the full, we'll never really know the full extent, but like, I still think that, like, if someone's going to make such heinous accusations, that already shows that, like, it's a very dysfunctional environment that was happening at the charge. Yeah, uh, obviously, um, uh, Develop came out after as well and commented on the situation and, you know, provided his, um, his story and how he viewed the events. Um, it seems that the takeaway is, like, that the, the coaching structure of the Guangzhou charge at the time was just completely non-existent essentially and like players were in charge of giving feedback to other players and maybe develop he seems to argue that he did it in a you know maybe a very straightforward way and that did not go over well when you do it daily repeatedly constantly um and you know that's not very considerate of your teammates emotional um my uh, well-being as well when you're a team and trying to compete at the highest level so the it is a bit of a story where we'll never get, obviously, the full story, but I think it speaks volumes that when Molly comes out this way and speaks like this, and there's previous incident of pre previous players echoing that sentiment, and also then naming, you know, staff names as well. Um, I, I obviously, uh, nor in any way do I think this is uh, bullshit. Obviously, there's something here that needs to be apprehended and looked into. Um, but, you know, I also wanted to provide that, 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 um, that story as well that Develop mentioned that, you know, he, he viewed it more as um, providing feedback, perhaps in a bit of a negative way. So uh, we'll never know the full story. But yeah, it's a very unfortunate situation. I hope the, the Guangzhou charge comes out with a statement of some kind and um, make some serious 
take some serious actions when it comes to their management and staff to make sure this never happens again because it's completely unacceptable. Um, and yeah, it should just never ever happen. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe we should move on to the summer showdown and the actual games that took uh, place this past week. So uh, let's kick off with the Western region. Um, if we feel like we're done on that topic. Uh, the Dallas Fuel ended up winning the 2022 Summer Showdown. We were correct here on Plat Chat. We made our preds. Everyone except Costa here predicted the Dallas Fuel to win it. But it was all right. It's all right, Costa. Because, you know, you got second. You got made top two, you know? Yeah, it it's, was, it was. People were acting like the pred was like a terrible one. Like the shot came second. Dude, they lost 4 0, bro. I don't know. It seems yeah, pretty well, Dallas showed up. But like, you can't tell me that Shock weren't close to them. Like in the winner's finals, Shock should have won those first two maps, like 100%. And like, for all we know, if they had won those two maps, how that series would have changed and like their future grand finals would have changed. But, you know, like Dallas Fuel are the better team. Like at the end of the day, you can't disagree with that. Han been on that Junker Queen, like led this team to success. But honestly, Honestly, everyone on that team stepping up. They were just, they when they are able to play like a hive mind level sort of coordinated effort where ultimate coordination matters, everyone's accountability for staying alive while also getting value is up there. Like Dallas are one of the best teams at that and you need to give credit to Rush and the entire roster for being able to pull that because yeah, that shit, that shit wasn't close. Their head and shoulders the best team in the West in the Jotes meta. That was brutal. That was a brutal finals. I'm uh... You know, people, they were coming up to me as like, so are you going to be an insufferable bitch over you? The Believing Fuel are so much better than the Shock and Shock's strength of schedule and the Ash. And I was like, yeah, I am. The Ash was fucking good. It was good. I, I and Fuel were better than Shock significantly. Don't get me wrong. Shock is still a very good team, but I don't think, I, I personally don't think at any point shock like granted the maps were like there was some closeness but when you look at across the entire tournament thing i think fuel was just the f the best team head and shoulders above them like significantly now to be fair part of that as because i had what happened what i refer to as the crusty saga where i met crusty multiple times across many bars um and he when he got second he used the term we are not second place we are first losers was the term that he classic used. Uh, <laughs> nice. yeah okay we are first losers uh, but I, I did hear across it that like fuel, honestly, that actually that, you know, across when it comes to scrims, Defiant was the best in scrims at this event what? and fuel were actually just had the land buff, um, which was the big thing, which actually, when you think about it, think about how, I mean, great. Don't go me wrong. I did not think shock was the best team in this event coming in, but when you consider how poor, I think some poor, because it's, it is a fact regardless of the overblown hate that some of their players did play really poorly at this event. Um, and I do think that it was a LAN issue where they had a lot of players that are still getting used to that real LAN environment, you know? So and fighting in front of the crowd. On, on that point, can I ask you about, since you were in the venue? Uh, Go ahead. Did, did, did the crowd, like, actively cheer against Shock, like, in this... Yeah, I mean, they gave, some he they gave him some little heckling boos and jeers occasionally when they did the walkouts, and, like, they cheered for Defiant really loudly. But I wouldn't say they were, like, targeting Shock. It's just it definitely it was, wasn't I mean, anti shock, no. No, and also anybody, like a third of the crowd were shock fans. The third of the crowd okay. were shock fans. <laughs> That's pretty good. Like there was like an insane amount of shock fans in the crowd that were there to watch the shock, you know? Like well, I was walking outside and Krusty was talking with people on the final day, and there was like people in tears, so happy they've met Krusty, you know? Like <laughs> yeah, there's like Krusty. 
legitimately like and crusty he was still hungover as fuck so like you know i know he's like doing his best to talk with people but he was he was lit as fuck every bar he walked into he was buying shots all around for everybody like he was like he, he was popping at it, but mostly to forget the pain of getting dominated by the fuel um but it it was not some sort of hostile environment like a thermal vent at the bottom of the ocean where only the dallas fuel bacteria can survive like it was Filled with shock fans. Yeah, they got booed a little bit when they walked out, but it was like playful booing. And like, there are so many. Like, I don't even understand what, like, I think this is like the first time the shock and the players of the shock were like, oh my God, we're not the best and people aren't sucking our dicks 24 <laughs> 7. Like, I honestly think that's what it was. And like, don't get me wrong, the shock guys are all great. Loved being to them, loved talking to them. Um, but like, I, I don't even know what their fucking panties are in a bunch for with that they, regards to that. They, in their match after the Toronto Defiant, didn't proper, was it proper who went on and said like, oh, we're, you know, it was easy for us. We just easy gave Toronto win. a map because yeah. we felt bad for them. Of course, when you walk out in the grand finals after saying that, there's going to be some Defiant fans who are going to boo you because like, and it's yeah, not hostile, and, and right? Like, it's just, it's just bants, you know? And it's just like it is. competition. It is just like, yeah, I, I, I really think there's like two separate issues just quickly on this topic because, you know, people have been talking about it all the time. Just like, oh, you know, the kilo, the, the hate that kilo is getting and then the, the Toronto fans. I think it's two completely separate like clicks, you know, there was the Toronto Defiant crowd or not the Defiant crowd, the Toronto crowd that, you know, probably did some booing and stuff. And, you know, that's that's fucking sports. All right. Get get used to it. All right. If you if we're getting more land events, get accustomed to an atmosphere that is not very predictable and not always supportive but then there's this the other separate where it's like hey the san francisco shock players are receiving hate and you know for, for whatever reason it always seems like it's the shock players or the shock franchise that deals with so much hate all the time season in and season out every time something goes wrong all right i think that's just a separate kind of group of people that for some reason likes to bag on those players and for you know right or wrong like we've been over this so many fucking times it's okay to like you know speak to the issues of a player if he didn't like perform well and be like he underperformed etc it's never okay to you know personally like criticize or like um uh, uh you know assault like uh, you know assault the player or any kind of kinds of that notion we've we've mentioned that so many fucking times i don't want to do it again but i think it's like two separate issues i don't think the toronto crowd was like part of any of this like shock no, they Not weren't. Crazy. None of the in-venue people the crowd, were... Yeah, the crowd were, in general like, were very happy with everybody. Like, every And like I said, a third happy of them were wearing shock jerseys. A yeah. third yeah. of them <laughs> were wearing shock jerseys in the crowd. Like, yeah. an it incredible insane. amount. Like, I, half of it was Kalu's family. <laughs> well, I did see half the... Like, it felt like half the crowd had, like, a minimum of two jerseys. Like, yeah, there'd be one true. team playing one day. It'd be yeah, like, okay, special. so one of Toronto... Yeah, like a fucking Toronto fan is a Toronto jersey, but they also, like... I saw one with an Outlaws jersey, too. And so when Outlaws was playing, they were adorning the Outlaws jersey. Like, they were... The Canadian fans were fucking sick. And they were just happy, honestly, that a, a LAN event was happening in Canada. And, like, it being a Toronto homestand, and there was a lot of Tor Toronto fans there. It was just like a, you know, it's kind of a big bonus. I, they, they were, they were amazing. Yeah, and I think, I think Albert tweeted it actually. Um, don't know if you saw it, Connor, probably, but he was saying it was the booze were actually kind of sick. Like uh, I, a lot of players, you know, I, there are definitely people that do cross the line, but I think a lot of players, especially when they're, they're in that competitive environment, they don't mind that shit at all. It's kind of like and no one did it on the video. It's always online. People. A, it's no one at the video. Yeah. No one's out yeah. there throwing shit up on the stage like exactly, you see at sporting yeah. events you know like it's all like the defiant crowd was a great crowd they just supported their home team while also yeah. there was fans of other they were also supporting some other squads there's people supporting like shock like it was a great it was a really good venue like there was no 
awfulness occurring to the shock fans uh, of shock players unless it was online in which case yes there's a lot of deranged weirdos online and it's not acceptable but it was not at the venue yeah. they, they, i think if if you think that booing someone in a crowd and like it within the crowd at the venue when you're cheering for your home team is bad and then you think the same thing is directing hate towards someone on twitter saying that something awful about it, like obviously you can be like you can say oh you know there was some bad plays and you can be upset. But as soon as you start like aggressively attacking a player, talking about them personally, anything like that, there's a line being crossed. And then there's obviously people who have like, can't even see the line anymore and they're off the fucking good. So it's like, just people have done this since the beginning of time, as Johnny said, you know, we have it at Dallas homestands. Every time we have a Dallas homestand, the Dallas fans boo anyone who's playing against Dallas or anyone that, you know, anyone who's the Houston Outlaws. So it's like, it goes back and forth. And I think people just need to calm down about the booing because it's just a staple to the, to any form of competition, but there is a line that is being crossed online. And I think that's the thing you need to really be defining because it feels like those are being muddied. Yeah, there we go. All right. Got that, got that stuff cleared out. Overall though, talking about the, the two teams in the finals and the actual like finals itself. Um, you know, 4-0, not too much to talk about, honestly. It looked like Dallas Field were just like the better, quote-unquote, team. Uh, having a lot of synergy together, playing around the heels. You know, we talked about this Dallas Field in a sustained meta. Versus the San Francisco Shock that just poured tons of resources into Proper himself. And Proper did perform. If you actually take a look at, you know, his final blows to death ratio stats, uh, for example. But overall, it felt like a Dallas Field kind of like pushed over 4-0, of course. Um, do we do we think that this is sustainable for the San Francisco Shock moving forward? Is it realistic of them to just like support proper in this kind of way, or do we, we would like to see them perhaps move towards a more spread out kind of team where like people like Kilo, for example, get taken care of and you build stress around Kilo? Or if you have proper in your team, is this kind of what you have to do? I think it depends on the meta, right? I mean, in this one, you can definitely just pile a lot of resources into your Genji, give him shout every single time he goes in, kind of saving those cooldowns, saving cookies, saving packs, um, anything really just to help support your Genji pop off because that's just how the meta is currently. If there's a meta where it's more like solo plays um, or like, well, not solo plays, I suppose, but less like death ball-y the way this is, like Dallas Fuel is so good at doing this kind of hive mind team meta where they're just all one singular brain and they just run around together because they're perfectly on the same page. Maybe if we reach a, a different meta where Shock can give just give Kilo time and space alone on a sideline and then just have, uh, you know, proper getting pocketed by someone else and then the tank kind of playing with the supports. I think it just depends on the meta, honestly. Um, if you can, just pile resources into proper and make him do his thing. Like, why, not, why the fuck not? They came second too, right? I mean, there's still a lot of fucking points, league points going into playoffs. I don't think it's a, a bad placing the shock uh, found themselves in. I, yeah. Worked against everyone who was in Dallas, right? Like it, they, yeah. they definitely put a lot of their resources into proper for, for that reason. I think it was a good strategy, but I think Dallas were very smart. It, it really felt like Dallas were going with the strategy of we're going to try and kill Kaluge and Kilo before proper kills our entire team. Like that, that, that kind of felt like how they were going and it worked consistently. You know, Kaluge had a great tournament in uh you know over all the days but every time he went up against dallas he was just getting heavily isolated by hanbin by the rest of the team and uh, i think you commented on this johnny when we were watching it dallas's ability to follow up on hanbin knives was unparalleled if hanbin yeah. hit a knife on someone when that person came in everybody was focusing that person so their communication as a whole unit 
felt like Dallas was just on a different level and the shock didn't really have a great answer to deal with that. And you could say that maybe the aggressive style of Finn and Violet left uh, Kilo out to dry a little bit, especially with how many resources they're putting into proper. But it's hard to really perfectly know what was going on um, because there's just so many levels and layers uh, to this kind of meta. And it really comes down to ability usage, who you're putting your resources into and that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, proper had a great series, but is that because they're putting so many resources into it and not just uh, allowing the rest of the team to thrive as well? Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I, I just to add on to that. Like I don't, I, I personally don't think that this is like, at the end of the day, it just wasn't also like, yes, shock were really, really good in this meta, but like, it's clear this team is still not built like for a meta like this overall, where like, I don't think Luge was the greatest Junker queen, um, which was an issue for them that struggled. I do think also people are, are not understanding that Kilo coming out of Contenders 2 was a very inconsistent player. Uh, there's a reason that Kilo, um, did not play over um Merit. Uh, who was the other yeah Merritt. There's a reason Merritt played uh over him in like playoffs and contenders because Merritt was the more consistent player, which I think we saw at the event. Um even though I actually I think Merritt actually did not have a very good event comparatively to what he had that online. But it was still uh he was, has always had very highs, very big highs and very low lows, uh which is part of like his his thing as a player right now, which is like one of his biggest weaknesses. I also think that this was uh, uh, Violet's main support has been obviously very good, but it is not. It was not very good at this event. Um, he did get picked either. quite a lot first. <laughs> well, it's more so not just picked, but dying without being able to get beat off a lot, a lot. Very crucial moments where he just didn't get his beat off um, time, um, and that's just something that they've struggled with. Where like their team is very good. It's they have a lot of great players, but if there's any point where it's just not the perfect meta for them, or like those players are, you know, they're having just like a, a little bit of a downswing, like Kilo, while also getting focused, um, it, they're not always going to be the best team. I don't think this team is guaranteed to be the best in the world ever, and they still and they haven't really been at any point. It's been Glads, it's been Fuel, it's been maybe Shanghai or, or Seoul, right? They've just been an extremely good team. So the expectations for the Shock, I think, were insanely high when they haven't won an event and this still wasn't the best meta for them, you know? So I think a lot of the expect and because of their previous era of success, people put that on them and their, their schedule and how well they did the stage. They're like, Oh, shocker, like guaranteed, like they're almost like a, a shoe in to win the event. And I'm like, no, like this year they've been really good, but they have not been, they haven't, they still haven't won a stage yet. You know? So I think people kind of had overblown expectations, I think for the roster of it. Yeah, I, I think the same applies to a lot of teams around the league that like, I like the point you were saying that like, the, that this team was not really suited for this meta and like second place, you know, actually, actually look at it, it's actually a really good placing for the shock in this meta, yeah. all things considered. Um, I, I'd say when, when most teams actually lost their matches, it did actually like almost like break down primarily to the supports. Even in the finals, I agree with Costa that like Kalush was uh, focused quite a bit, especially in the winner bracket. Uh, finals but even you know towards in, in the finals as well i do think that shock made some kind of like adjustments because they were aware of this fact um you know after a few maps or whatever um but then 
it felt like every team, like a loser bracket team went out, it was because the support line, their positioning was a little bit off, and teams found ways to isolate those kind of supports and engage on top of those supports. And for a team like the San Francisco Shock, it's like you have Finn playing Brig, who was, um, you know, all right, I suppose. And then Violet on the Lucio as well. Like, it became easy for the Dallas Fuel in that case to just be like, hey, we'll speed on top of Finn, or like, we'll, we'll find... Well, like, engage on top of the shock, and when they disperse, and there's one member that's not playing with the rest of the team, really, like, testing the shock's, like, team synergy, pushing them to the limits, there is going to be one player that positions incorrectly, and we're going to punish that, and engage on top of that. It felt like that happened for a lot of teams. Florida Mayhem was another team where, like, they actually had a good event, and they got, you know, way further than people predicted, but at the end of the day, it did feel like uh, Sermajed um and rupaul's ability like they, they 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 were tested and when push comes to shove like they were in the wrong spot sometimes and like they got split up or like they were on the wrong page and um teams like the toronto defiant uh, for example like they they abused that fact and capitalized on those uh, team mistakes so for a lot of these teams you know uh their team synergies was really tested and teams like the dallas fuel they were just superior in that regard and that's you know part of the reason why they were successful so that's um that's the finals 4-0 Dallas Fuel against the San Francisco Shock overall great result for both teams let's talk about the Toronto Defiance run um here in this bracket we kind of did predict that Toronto Defiant would have a good tournament in the lower bracket we perhaps overestimated the crowd buff a little bit um they did beat the Houston Outlaws which was perhaps the most surprising result and we'll talk about the Houston Outlaws a little bit later but just on the Toronto Defiant as a whole they run through the tournament and them moving forward. Do we think that this was a bit of a breakout moment for the Toronto Defiant? I know it's a sustained meta. I know it's a very completely separate meta to all the other stages we've had so far. But do you believe this success of the Jotes meta can carry over to whatever's next in the Countdown Cup? Or do you feel like, feel like it was a bit of a one-off kind of run for this team? I'm going to begin my rant. The rant. I'm begin it. First of all, I'm okay. ready. Here's my rant. Mm -hmm. I always rated the Defiant. Had them very high up in the preseason. Hisu is my god. I told you Hisu's good. Everyone's like, oh, he's, he, he fucked. He fucked this entire time. The Adamantium backline, Twilight, amazing flex support. Fucked at this event. Now, I will say, although had kind of a really great performance uh, comparatively here than what he's been having online. He's not that he's been necessarily bad, but like he had an amazing event on Genji. Uh, here. So, I do think that Defiant, for me, this roster always had it in them. This roster they always, always had, it, had in. it in them. They always had it in them. God, Ash is good, huh? But, uh, also top that, like, I do think that this was, uh, finally, this roster really needed to live up to the success and the value it has. When you have Trong, like, we've been jokingly calling him, I, we don't actually, we're unsure of the full numbers, but we've been jokingly calling him the entire event, we call him the half million dollar man entire time but we're, we're actually but we don't actually know his real like salary numbers right but like he he's um i think defiant this level of talent is not surprising for them it's just how well it came together and it was really surprising to me here as well that uh well not that surprising because i think they were really good all stage they were pretty good all stage as well that they were the best team in scrims consistently according to a lot of different squads like better than the dallas fuel apparently yeah, apparently, like, Defiant I mean, I scrims that, were, like, amazing. I trust your sources. I, I heard this. I'm pretty sure it was, like, if I remember properly, people that said that they were the best teams in scrims, I heard it from Outlaws, uh, I heard it from Shock, and I heard it from Fuel. What time that, was like, this? Defiant at the board. event? This is at the event. Like, multiple, Holy multiple shit, because that's massive like, praise. Were um, they were, like, doing really, really good. Now, I might be misremembering, but I'm pretty sure 
that I definitely heard it from Krusty and Kasora's. I don't know about like I, I can't remember exactly if it was like I think it was like Tasmo and then like maybe like uh Bishu slash Jake or like or Junkbuck slash Jake or was. But it was um they did it or no, it was Dan or Dante. But I like either way, the point being, sources, but there we go. <laughs> well, that's what I meant to say, but I mean we're at the event. So it's not proprietary information that Defiant did well in scrims. Like what? They're gonna copy the IP. What are they gonna do? Like it's just they just did well in scrims. All right. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I was just talking to them at the event, you know? Like people act like I don't even understand why people treat that so, with so much secrecy. Like, hey, this team did well in scrims, and I talked to the coach and they thought they were doing well. Who the fuck cares? <laughs> like, I'm just letting you guys know. Like, it's just uh that's what they said. But, I mean, they had a good event. They had a lot of talent as roster. It's clear they did have a bit of a land buff, um, comparatively, because they were good online, but this was like a, a standout performance. And I, I personally thought, like, yes, their coordination was really, really good here. I thought they did a great job with their tempo, their DPS. Hisu and Aldo were playing amazingly off each other. But most importantly, I think here, they all just fucking popped off. I think they had, like, a, amazing, incredible individual performances. At this event uh like they just were hitting every shot Chong and twilight were like i think twilight had like a ridiculous amount of limbs like chasing down he was, he was leading Bermuda. sometimes uh in a limbs yeah. during games like, like twilight was, was like and, and his it was whip shot accuracy crazy. was also like through the fucking roof like it was ridiculous how many whip shots he was hitting whether that was like kills or like just negating shit yeah, Although like their backline pounded, right. actually pounded. Like they, they, they really led the charge a lot of the a lot of the times with the frags, I think, and like turning fights around. So it was a really, really good individual performance for Defiant here, on top of just having very solid team play. I think. I think this will be able to continue though if they go into a meta where Hisu can just still play the Ash or like uh, hit different hit scan. Like, yeah, definitely. I think they're gonna do. Even better. Maybe they come in with some renewed confidence, or not renewed, I suppose. Even more confidence in the next uh, qualifiers or going towards play-ins. Yeah, I mean, thought Toronto were going to do pretty well. Did I think they were going to get where they did? Um, don't know. Don't know. I'd have to review where I thought uh, they were going to end up. But it felt like, especially in a in front of a home crowd, like I remember Danny saying something like, oh, they... You know, they feel comfortable and they feel confident too. Like comfortable on a stage in front of everybody that's cheering for them. It was definitely a lot of land buffage right there. Like you, that's completely undeniable. If it was an online scenario, would it would this have worked out differently? I don't think so. I think they're just a very, very fucking strong team. If they keep this shit up, top three, like easy. Or like uh, top three, I suppose. Okay, right. yeah. Okay, dude. Well, here's the thing. I like Toronto. The only reason that we were a little down on Toronto uh, going into this event was because they lost to London. But it turns out London are just the kryptonite. Something, something about London, Toronto just don't know how to deal with. But they're better than yeah. everyone else, other than Shock and Dallas. So, like, they are the third best team in this meta, other than when they play London. Uh, it was awesome to see them have their run, as you said. The the land buff actually helped. I think where I'm going to be a contrarian is I don't believe in them as much to say top three in the West in any meta. I don't think, I think if Hisu's able to stay on like an Ash and I think although he's able to stay on Genji, then sure. But like Hisu has not looked as impressive when he plays the Sojin. That's why he probably doesn't play the Sojin. I think, um, although it has only really popped off on Genji and then they've had Finale playing Tracer. So they can get either one of those on it, then sure. But they haven't looked as good in dive metas, in my opinion, 
in the past. So unless this is a confidence thing where all of a sudden they feel more confident as a team, as a unit, as a roster, and that will lead into other metas regardless of their previous performances, then maybe. But I think there are still great teams that are going to be at the three or fourth. Is Toronto still going to be in top five in the West? I'd be shocked if they weren't. But do I think that they can comfortably sit top three? I'm not convinced. Yeah, th- this is where I agree with you, actually. And I feel like part of the reason they got top three in the first place is because teams like the LA Gladders and the Atlanta Rain didn't actually qualify for the event itself. And like, you feel feel free, to, if you're a Toronto fan and, and you're in the chat or you're listening in your car or whatever, fucking do a celeb- celebratory like fist pump and be like, yo, we got fucking top three. I'm going to savor this moment. This is amazing. You know, I, I'd love this franchise so much. I'm going to buy a Heaser jersey. Go, go ham, all right? I, I just have my reservations going into a new meta and a new stage because you will have the two-time champ LA Gladiators back next for Counter Cup. Well, there's no tournament. But like the playoffs itself, you will have Atlanta Reign who plays top three at six consecutive stages. They will be back for the playoffs as well. So that's already two teams that I'd probably, you know, doing like pre-Counter Cup rankings or whatever into the new meta. I'd probably rank higher than Toronto. So Toronto, they're already at that point. Uh, they're what? Number five. And then, you know, I'd probably add one more team on top of them. So I do think they were a benefit... Uh, benefactor of the sustained meta and the crowd buff so sorry I Toronto guys believe. i think watch you're middle space. of the pack in na all right watch this space bro watch this space clip it and ship it all right three. yeah all in it bro i mean well i mean think about moving forward though like what i mean the teams that you'd be competing with them like so i had houston over them coming into this event right i thought this is a great meta for houston because i have dante been looking but like explain to me like theoretically if we go to a main tank meta what? How does Houston go above Defiant potentially? Gosh. No. Um, <laughs> the guy that hasn't played with them, really? Like played one map. It was an awful bench. map, but you know, it was one For map. For me, it's, it's not as much the Houston Outlaws. Like, it's you have the Gladiators, who I think we can all say is probably above the Toronto Defiant in most metrics. So I think sure. you got yeah. Dallas Shock yeah. Gladiators who are most likely above the Defiant. I think Defiant... Yeah, that's fair. Could be hit fourth, but I think there's a lot of teams nipping at their heels. The Houston Outlaws could be one of those, depending on the meta. I think you have, um, oh god, now I'm gonna have to like remember. I mean, I technically what, the mayhem at this. Yeah, event. technically the mayhem. Like you have London <laughs> Spitfire, like you have Atlanta Rain. Like uh, all of those teams have the potential, depending on meta, yeah. to be a very good team. So I think Defiant is sort of competing with them to sort of be the top dog in that sort of middle of the pack area that Johnny's talking about. Very true. Fair enough. All right, there we go. We'll have to see what the Toronto Defiant do going into the Countdown Cup. Uh, it is very close, the actual regular season standings for the playoffs and the play-in battle as it stands. So the Toronto Defiant, they will have to uh, you know, win some of these matches if they actually want to directly qualify for the playoffs. I'm going to bring it up real quick on the broadcast uh, so we can actually take a look. Uh, this is with League Points, I believe. Yeah, this should be... This should be with league points. I'm going to bring this up right here. Um, so they're currently at sixth, at 13 league points, tied with the Lono Spitfire and Atlanta Rain are below them. One league point, Florida Mayhem, uh, below them with one league point. So there's four teams who have 13 or 12 league points, and you want to make top six because that means that you directly qualify into the playoffs. So we'll see how things go for the Toronto Defiant. Um, in the Countdown Cup, their matches are Atlanta Rain, New York Excelsior, San Francisco Shock, 
Vancouver Titans, Florida Mayhem, Houston Outlaws. So, you know, 3-3. Three, 3-3, three, 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 probably three, pretty reasonable. Four, you know? 4-3, maybe. Yeah, 4-3, four, four, maybe. 4-3, three? what? 4-2. 3 crazy. Yeah. Um, Atlanta Rain are playing the Shock and the Fuel. So, that's probably two losses. And then you have, uh, they're playing uh, an internal matchup as well. So, Atlanta Rain, I guess the Toronto Defiant, to kick off the Countdown Cup is actually going to be massive when it comes to uh, qualifying for one of those playoff spots. So we'll have to see how that That's goes. Quite exp- you can set a lot of expectations after that series pans out. Because obviously we, we don't know the meta. We don't even know the fucking patch notes, right? So like, depending on how the patch ends up turning out, that could be actually a big turning point for, for the Atlanta Reign as, like a, as a team. Like, I guess it depends what tank it goes towards. But yeah. yeah that's, I mean, that's if I'm an Atlanta Reign fan, game. I'm not comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. I mean, I don't know. You can make an argument that, like, Atlanta could come out of this, like, reset because, like, you can't doubt the talent. And now that they actually have time to give speedily into the roster, like, if, unless the meta I think is really bad for, like, Hawk, like, let's say we end up in, like, a Winston meta or a Wrecking sure. Ball meta, I think Atlanta should be somewhat fine. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Winston meta. I mean, Reinhardt meta, maybe? Reinhardt? Uh, you get Gator, I suppose. They yeah, be you fine. have Gator. Like, I think they have Gator if they want. I just don't think they want to do that after, you know, after what Brad said earlier in the season of, like, they believe having one consistent tank is better than moving around. But I'm sure if we end up in a hard Winston meta or, like, a hard Wrecking Ball meta, Gator will play. Yeah. And interesting as well. I mean, this, this, this Countdown Cup is going to be absolutely phenomenal. And the playing as well because you have so many of these teams that are like in the playing contention like the washington justice what if it's not a good meta for calios they're kind of fucked you have boston oh. uprising are they just gonna play punk now all the time with this western roster of theirs um and then you have the lone spitfire who is just like a big question mark most of the time when it comes to the meta and what they'll play so uh i'm very much looking forward to see the conclusion uh of the countdown cup and see how toronto defiant does but they're right on the cusp right now they're in the final playoff spot at number six so, uh, you know, pretty good position to start from for the Toronto Defiant. Uh, moving on, another team that surprised us during this Toronto Defiant summer showdown, the Florida Mayhem. This is when Avas can cash in all of his Florida Mayhem stonks. Um, maybe not be, I don't know if you actually bought any, but you probably have some in your 401k. I mean, 401K. to be fair, they were not this high for me. So. Okay. You get some passive, passive stock income from your uh, relationship uh, tangentially with the Florida Mayhem and the Misfits organization, I suppose. So uh, I don't know when those stocks unlock, when you're able to sell them. Uh, but, you know, a pretty good passive income anyway, as it stands to your net worth. Uh, Florida Mayhem, of course. Great run. Uh, who did it? Did? The reverse swept it on a Spitfire and they beat the Vancouver Titans. Am I correct in that? Yes. Yeah. That is correct. So Florida Mayhem, huh? Who would have thought? Who would have thought they'd be here? Incredible shit. Uh, also, they did it. Well, the first, I mean, they reverse swept. They, 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 they reverse uh, London. I can't believe well, they, they did, did it. Again. I can't remember which day, which, let me remember, which day did they do? Let me remember which one was which. So they beat the Titans with Majed playing online as well, technically. Yeah. He was not there at the venue because of Visa situation. And he gets I thought that was venue. only for the shock match. Was it for the shock match? I think I'm it was only for the shock match. Yeah, the first one. The first right. day. Yeah. Was it the first day? Yeah. Is that oh, yeah. What it was? Which was the match they lost to the shock in the upper bracket. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. So, yeah. They, they had... Um, 
They they played the shock with Majed, whatever. Then they then Majed got there and they popped off. And Majed that first map they got there, Majed had only slept like three hours because his flight was really early and he had to like fly there, get there in time. So like Jesus, it, it was like actually an incredible run from them. I think because the thing is, is they just weren't that great this meta. Like Gumba himself has said multiple times, it wasn't a meta they were good at. It wasn't a meta that their team was really built for. Um, someone I think. Definitely his Junker Queen throughout most of the stage was like, it was fine, but it was not questionable. Like very, not very good comparatively to his other heroes. I think we've seen from him. Um, in addition to that, like they've been rotating. I think their DPS line was actually very solid this stage. So they mostly played Exit and they came out with the Hydron who had like a great last couple games and a great land performance. Uh, and it just, it just happened. It, just, it all just clicked. I think it all just fucking clicked for them. And I think, and Majed and, and RuPaul, you know, they were, they, they, I think that they had just an amazing event um, where like their synergy was like through the roof. The double flex worked where, where it's sort of supposed to work. Lucio Brigida, their Lucio Brig play was like really, really good. I think Majed's uh, overall like death counter didn't go up nearly as much as it used to. He was hitting good beats. They were peeling fantastically for each other. I think for like for two, a rookie backline, they had a great event overall. I mean, mostly just rookie team. They, besides XC slash checkmate, um, they had uh, a really good event. So I think this is everything just cooking once again. I don't think they made, I don't think they made any f- struggle. <laughs> talking once again, like talking to the coaches and stuff, and, and Albert. Everyone's just like, yeah, just you know, kind of miraculous. It kind of just all worked <laughs> together, which sometimes it does. It really is that simple. It's like a lot of people think that esports is like the people, and we've talked about this before on the show. Like it just. Oh, the, the strats. They 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 were in the lab cooking. It's like, no, just they just fucking worked. It just worked like when they got on the stage. Then the other teams just didn't win. They didn't have a great time. Like they they realistically just had a really good event. Every uh, they they figured out their shit. They had good individual performances. Um, it was not some sort of like huge, ridiculous strat play. It's just they showed up and had a good event. And it was kind of just that simple. I this felt like one of those situations that we haven't had very often online where it's like, you just get to land, and as a Vast, something just works. And then you, when you're in land and you're surrounded by each other as players, you can feed off each other very well. And like, all it takes is, you know, this one good win against, you know, they had that good 3-0 versus Vancouver Titans and then London Spitfire, somehow they rally together. Like, you just have these moments of like clarity of like how you should be playing the game. Players start having great individual performances. Like as of us said, it didn't feel like they they cracked the code and they all of a sudden were good. It just felt like the players were all playing well. Hydron had a great tournament. You know, he obviously uh, wasn't playing at the beginning of the stage, but popping off, checkmate your boy Johnny was uh, was doing well. And you know, the Sermajed realized maybe I don't need to int in every fight and I can just play back every now and then and it'll it'll help the team and it it worked like a charm. So big props to the team. Uh, crazy result. No one expected what what was that top four. Top four, they got four. Top four, actually incredible. incredible. I I have to give a lot of respect to RuPaul, too. I think RuPaul come in very, you know, no one really was, he wasn't on the radar at all, coming out of, like, essentially collegiate. Um, And actually, I think not just his Ana, but his Brigida was fantastic this event. Um, I thought RuPaul had a really, really good showing here, too. So really, really impressive. I mean, him and Majed, they called themselves the Brown Backline. 
Um, the what? And you know the brown backline. That's what they call each other. Is <laughs> what they're playing, and I think it worked because because he's been he's, he's Bangladeshi and Rupaul's uh, Saudi Arabian, obviously, or yeah. uh, Majed Saudi Arabian. So they call them. The, and honestly, the the BB it, they popped the fuck off. They popped off at this event. Okay, here's what I want. I want an Ana meta, X meta, because I actually think Rupaul's Ana is like incredible. Like if you just see how he played it in this tournament, like he was going up against some of the best DPS we have in the league. His sleeps and his knees are just so consistent. Yeah. And I feel like we didn't appreciate it as much this stage because like it's a Junker Queen meta and you don't really, it's harder to notice those things. But every time I watched him and you just see the amount of big sleeps that he's hitting, it was, it was crazy. So I'd love for, love to see him played in a meta that it's actually good. Also, mad fucking props to Mayhem 2, not just like hard force in the meta where they know they can't win against a lot of the teams that are very good at Lucio and the Brig. This, I feel like it takes a lot of balls to do that when every other team is, is doing the same thing. I mean, London kind of proved that too when they were running the rush, when a lot of people weren't running rush and they run the rush meta, they did a Ryan May and shit like that. But man, fucking, I, I love that shit. I love when one team just does some wacky shit and ends up working out. And yeah, Rupal being on his best hero, I'd say, in the Ana was was incredible. And so Majed's aim too on the Zenyatta is pretty ridiculous. There were a lot of times where I'm like, ah, oh, that's just not going to work. There's no fucking way. And then, because you have to play so split in a way, because you have to, uh, it's Midtown is the map I'm thinking of, but they were like having Majed play in the little like elbow area by the point then someone else was playing in the giant doorway on defense. And then the the front line was just playing around the around the fire truck in the middle. Like they they know how to play that comp like super well. And it was really cool to see them try and surprise people with it. And also their ironclad mental on stage going 2-0 down, then reverse sweeping London Spitfire as well. Also pretty ridiculous, especially when we've seen Teams like even London, no, not London, uh, the San Francisco Shock in kickoff clash, like choke on a land that we didn't expect any, we didn't expect them to because they had proper, um, yeah, fucking mad props. I think they did a fucking sick job. Yeah, I, I think what's really fascinating if you dig into this, like they clicked at the right time kind of thing. I think they have, the Florida Mayhem actually has like a very good like framework of how like they structure their strategies, what to play, where, um, and how to play the compositions. And what impressed me was not only is this like Ana Senyata comp actually like good, they make it work, like the double flex. It's like, like you said, Jaws, like they're actually really good at it. Like they have it nailed down to a T, how they want to play the composition and how to make it difficult for the opponent. So it's not just in some metas we'd, we'd go out and say like, well, if you're not good on goats, you know, just try to counter goats because that's the only chance you have. Well, that, 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 that almost feels like cheesing your opponent somewhat. This, this is not just Florida Mayhem cheesing, playing double flex support. Like, they're actually taking a slightly inferior composition and making it really good via, like, individual play and having a good plan around it. Like, they're not just trying to surprise, cheese their opponents. It's actually, like, a good strategy that they've sort of figured out. Um, yeah, well, it's which, like, why would, you play a, why would you play a comp that you're not, you know the other team is better on than you, but you could just easily play two of your best heroes, or two of your players on their best heroes, on something else you'll get the the percentage chance for success although it's not a algorithm or anything but the percentage chance for success is just higher yeah because you can't win the fucking mirror i think i like the comparison journey with that and goats but goats i think was very fucking different like you literally had to go goats um unless you're element mystic and play doomfist ghost right and then we saw the evolution of sovereign goats okay yada 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 but like they were like the best teams at the time on that kind of composition like Florida Mayhem, not the best team on the fucking Joe's matter. 
Um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely a higher percentage chance for success. I think RuPaul, yeah, is like um, the most standout player for me was RuPaul, I think. Hitting those sleep darts on like Genjis and Junker Queens and like shit like that. That's fucking crazy, man. Especially when there's two speed ups in the game, by the way. Two fucking speed ups and you have a projectile that fires at what? Maybe one knot. You are like you could paddle a rowboat across a the knot. United States. Uh, one singular knot. Yes, nautical terms. You could paddle a rowboat from the UK to the fucking US. That's how slow that sleep dart is compared to uh, like speed up and shout uh, from Lucio and Joker Queen. Like, yeah, it's it's really impressive shit. Yeah, I, I wanted to add two more things that really impressed me with the with the framework as well. Um, the the fact that they made this Lucio break composition work, like they're they're fucking playing Delano Spitfire, like at a pretty good level here. Um. I think they made like some very small changes that made a big difference and this was very noticeable when I brought up the Sir Majed stats on the final day where like in qualifiers he, he almost died like twice as much as he did in the actual tournament. Like that is actually like coaching. They're telling like Sir Majed or like they're reviewing with him like hey how can, how can you how can we, you put yourself in situations to, to survive more and how can we like make that an advantage for us rather than you just feeding. Like that is actually like Coaching made, you know, <laughs> that actually, like, worked and improved it for the mayhem. So you get that going at the right time uh, and obviously made a big difference for him in playing this composition. But also just, like, the acceptance as a player. It's pretty comforting to be like, uh, should we play double flex support here? Or, like, should we play Lucio Brig here? Like, that kind of uncertainty. I hate, you never want to play with uncertainty. That sucks. But it seems like for the mayhem, very, like, determined where to play their strategy and how to play it and when to just play the Lucio Brig mirror, knowing that that is their best possible chance um, to win playing the Lucio Brig with those added coach changes as well. Um, and then just a final point as well. The sheer confidence of the Florida Man players to just like play the game their way because they're like good players. And this goes back to something that Gunba mentioned in the interview that Costa had a couple of weeks ago. We're just like, uh, our strategy for this year is just to pick up the best players. We just wanted the best players possible that are good at the game and then we'll figure out like synergy we'll figure out communication later some of the guys don't even speak like english it's fine we'll teach them how to speak english we just want great players and i feel like when you look at florida man play like checkmate for example like these guys are just talented like they're really just like good at the game um understanding like their limits when to go aggressive when to fall back like fucking mentos um and like how to play how to play the game like very optimally put himself in the best situation and i think that is honestly like making a big difference when you play teams like london spitfire for example where london is like okay now we have to figure out how we think we're going to beat the double flex composition and like what if it doesn't work if our strategy or tactic that we took into the game in how to beat the double flex support if that doesn't work then we have to improvise on the fly on stage um, that kind of uncertainty can be very hard to deal with as a pro player, like how to make those adjustments on the fly, where it feels like the Florida Bayon players, they're just so fucking good at the game that they just like play the game and like they don't deal with that uncertainty or like reading into the game too much. It's, I, it's intangibles, but I've, it, it's really like a big difference when um, you play with confidence and I feel like the, the five Florida Bayon players, like they're really just fucking good at the game and you can tell when they play the game. Um, that they make the right decisions a lot of the time in a good framework and that makes a big difference it really raises like your minimum floor like your floor level as a team how bad are you how in inconsistent are you florida man like they look like an inconsistent team because they have good players and a good framework uh so i respect it a lot with the florida man uh anyway big old good old rant for Florida man good for them good for them uh there's one more team we have to talk about 
there's actually a couple teams we could talk about. But there's one team we have to talk about, and that is the Houston Outlaws, um, who we predicted to have a bit of a breakout stage here in Summer Showdown, get top three. That did not happen at all. Instead, they lost to the Toronto Defiant. Uh, really, I, I, I don't have a question for you. I'm just, I'm just tired of the Houston Outlaws just disappointing and never living up to it. That was the final stage of the year. Uh, Countdown Cup, we got play-ins coming up. I think the Houston Outlaws are pretty much good. I think they're three league points ahead of the playoff breaker spot or whatever. So they're pretty much secure for the playoffs, but they don't have an opportunity to improve upon their uh, stage uh, playoffs, elimination match, jitters or inconsistencies, whatever you have you. So um, do we have faith that this was just a one-off and maybe they'll look better, play to their better level at the playoffs, or are they just perpetually doomed to the lower bracket disappointment? Are we disappointed in their summer showdown performance? Okay, well, here's what, here's what I'll say. I think the Houston Outlaws, they're a good team, but they have yet to give me any confidence that they will do in the playoffs. I think that they are not going to break that mold, but you need to keep in mind the losses that they have taken in the tournaments. In this one, they lost the, to Toronto, uh, the Toronto Defiant that came third, um, which and they were, as you said, in scrims, potentially one of the best teams, and Houston Outlaws just straight up got outclassed in that match. In the midseason madness, they lost to the Atlanta Reign in the lower bracket, another team that went through a ridiculous lower bracket run to make it third, I think it was. Um, and they were incredibly good in the midseason tournament. And then in the kickoff clash, they lost to the San Francisco Shock. So it doesn't feel like they've ever taken a major loss to one of the lower seeds in the tournament, right? Like it's not like they lost to a London Spitfire or a Florida Mayhem. And we're like, damn, they really should have beaten this team. Toronto are really good. And I think that that has been their issue in these tournaments is they're good. They're just not great. And they haven't shown the ability to beat good teams on land. And that is what I'm sure they are worried about going into the playoffs is that, can we perform at the highest level in the playoffs? And I think the answer right now is no. And that's worrying for them because they have better expectations. You know, Houston are good. As you said, they will qualify for the playoffs. They are definitely not a bad team in this league, but are they performing to level or getting the results that they want? No. And I don't know if they're going to be able to break that mold in the short amount of time before we get to the playoffs. Yeah, I definitely had them getting to like being like at least a solid, like being a bit above the teams. That, like I was, I'm not shocked that they lost anyone, but I feel like their matches should have been a lot closer than what occurred here um, as well. Like I wouldn't have been upset for them losing to Defiant at this event, losing to the shock at this event. I don't feel like they put up the level of performance they had online was the big problem. That's like really the big problem I have with them. Or something else, I rated them really highly in this meta. I thought they were looking really great. Barrett was looking like Barrett was looking like well, potentially at points the best. I mean, statistically, I think he still was like the best sojourn in the league. Um, and they just had an a really really quiet uh, event comparatively to what they did online. Um, but they did lose a really good team, so I, I think they're still good. I'm more interested to see what they do. Like, how what, do they evolve from that? Do they have a good playoff performance? Do they even have a good performance at all into the next stage? Because who knows what the mud is going to be? And they're, if it's like a tank meta, does, does Dante just, does Dante just become like the, the Toby of tanks and just continue to eat all of his other tank players, even though he's technically not a tank player, he's the DPS? Like, is he going to eat Doge's role if like we go to like a tank meta where it's not like off tank, right? Like, I don't know. It's, 
it's very interesting. I think moving this team's direction still going forward because of like the Dante paradox uh, that's happening here. So I'm, I'm not like worried about them. I'm more so thinking like, yeah, I don't think they're going to win anything. So I think they'll be, have a good season. Though. So the Houston outlaws, I mean, I, I still feel like they disappointed somewhat in this tournament because you know, as you said, they didn't play like they did uh, online you know just looking at their play overall it didn't feel like they were discombobulated um they weren't on the same page like you would have people dashing in dashing out when the rest of the team didn't engage you'd have dante overextend quite a bit sometimes you'd have let dying when he shouldn't have um stuff like that how so let me ask you this costa like how how would how do you like sort of like improve upon these like team synergy mistakes like when it hits on stage did you ever have to deal with that on like the valiant of dallas fuel where like People just like on stage, like the communication was different, the shot calling was different, people were like inconsistent and not bringing that practice effort to the stage. Is that like something you can improve on or is that just like go next? It, it's hard to really know without being within the comm structure from my completely uh, uninformed opinion from just seeing their gameplay. I actually think they have good strategy and I think they have good coordination. I, I talked about it on the show. Remember when they had those disengages? I think they very... They understood the alt cycling quite well. And, you know, it's probably coming from, you know, coaching of like Jake and stuff like that. They knew when to go in, when to go out, how, you know, flowchart overwatch. Where I think that they struggle is I think Pelican gets a head full of steam sometimes and he gets in his mind that he needs to win the game. And I think what happens is he gets a little bit too aggressive. And you saw it in the match that they actually lost to um, the Toronto Defiant is in situations where he's pulling the blade, he's going aggressive. He's not stopping and he's not recognizing his limitations and he just keeps going and he dies. Like he had multiple times with his blade where he would get a kill. And then instead of being happy and content and relying on the rest of his team to be able to follow through, he's going in for that extra dash and then he gets punished. And then he, and then all of a sudden it starts snowballing. I think that happens to them from time to time where when their backs go against the wall, instead of trying to work, win it as a team, they try and win individually. I don't know if there's any, pure merit to that and i could just be reading into a couple of plays too much but that's what it feels like to me uh looking from them and i think that's why when they come up against teams that can match their mechanical skill that's where they really start to struggle because i think that they they just get up they just get outmatched and they lose their coordination a little yeah i think it's interesting i mean some teams did this as well and i think proper on the shock is a great example of this part of like why i asked the question earlier of like proper like is this a viable strategy to just put all the resources into them yeah look you can't deny that pelican and proper are two of the most dominant players in their role in the entire league to uh, to be yeah to be clear like when they're put in those situations to win um but also i i, I am so curious about like the team dynamics sometimes not necessarily on the houston outlaws because i don't know like how they you know diversify resources but like on the shock for example like if you are one of those players that is just like being told like hey just put everything into proper like what kind of environment is that where like you as a team you put your entire strategy into the hands of one player like maybe that feels a bit defeatist at time like you don't like you're not spreading the resources evenly um and it feels more like individual i wonder how that affects like the mental uh part of some of these players in the league for example and maybe it's teams for you know pelican here a little bit where like we perpetuated this opinion that pelican is like one of the best players and he needs to carry and he needs to get these frags and like we've seen him clutch up so many times but you know he maybe takes that to another level sometimes because he he's completely aware of that fact i think it's a great point by you um uh, so interested to see if he can tone that down perhaps a little bit going into the playoffs and they i guess you know. it 
What about Merit's? It, it depends on what their role was in in their last team, right? I mean, it also worked for NYXL, by the way. Just mad pocket and Jeronite, that worked out. But like, if in their last team, they they were that player that people pumped resources into to succeed, and they're not used to that anymore, it must it must be quite jarring. Although, saying that, we are almost, what, we're technically three quarters of the way through the year, I guess? We've had three if anything, so far. if anything, further than three quarters of the way through sure, the league. Sure, okay. Um, four fifths, then. There you go. Um, it's... Too far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, no, I'm not doing this. It's not happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, we are at the point now where we're quite way through the season, so mm, that environment, I don't think is a... It's, you got a lot of merit to that point. I don't think it's valid that much. I'm going to be real. I, as because, I said, that's why I'm I'm not trying to sell it as fact because like yeah. I know I don't have proof of my thought. We are so far into the point where like you you should know like what your role is in within the team. If it is to just pop it uh, pocket proper in this meta, then that's what you do. You know, um, there should no, not be any misunderstandings or expectations of something else. Um, yeah, uh, I. Yeah, but like, okay, so for example, uh, why I'm asking is like, if you're Kilo and you're like trying to do your best uh, as, you know, the sojourn of your team, and like the team is instructed just like, hey, give all the armor packs to proper on the Genji. Like, if I'm Kilo and I'm, you know, being hung out to dry, being hunted down by Sparkle, I'm a little bit like, hey, what the fuck? And I'm just like, yeah, not mentally bad. in the right position to like frag out and have a moment myself. So. Yeah, I can definitely see why that would feel bad, for sure. But like, I guess it comes down to this shit, which we will never know. Is yeah. the internals of the team, how the structure works out, and like how it works out in game, and like what their actual objectives are in terms of players and in terms of resources that they want to put into people. Because on the surface, you can say, well, holy fuck, they only pop it pocket proper, when in reality, maybe that's not what they're doing. It's just in the moment, that's kind of what needs to be done. Yeah, I think that's fair as well. I I don't think they're advertently being like Krusty's saying to Violet and Finn being like, if you pack uh, if you pack Kilo, you're out. You're, 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 you're done. <laughs> you you, kilo, we, we put our resource into thing. As you said, it's an yeah. inadvertent result of probably something that they've come to the conclusion of and they've had success with. So and that maybe that's something that they needed to fix going later into the stage and they just never were able to do it. But you know, it, it's. As you said, Jack, it, we don't have any proof of what we're saying because we don't know the internals and actually what the strategies of these teams are. I doubt they actually speculate. have the... Yeah, that is what this it. podcast specializes in. Yeah. This yeah. is what we're here to do. Speculate. <laughs> like raw speculation. <laughs> little do we uh, do you guys know. Like, we're actually just like the pitchforks, but when it comes to the Overwatch League teams and players, uh, you know, we just don't criticize the game per se. Uh, we, we just speculate about the, uh, the stuff we don't know about when it comes to the players and teams. Uh... <laughs> Uh, anyway, but yeah, going back to the Pelican point to sort of like wrap this up as well, like even as a Reinhardt player that's like played on stage, like there's definitely like a factor where like you're try like I would like try to earth shatter too much or like I would try to make a charge play more than what was necessary and making a play that I wouldn't have done in scrims because like in scrims, like in practice rooms, I'm like, you know, way more calculated, comfortable, you know, taking it easy and I'm trying to pull off my abilities in a very like, you know, calculated kind of way. Whereas like you go on stage and you're like, holy fuck. Sometimes you, I would say I'm not sure. I've never personally played. Well, I've played on a stage, but I'm not a fucking pro player or anything like that. It's, you know, some, you are great I, at Overwatch, Charles. I, I'm okay. I'm okay. But 
I've never been in that kind of situation before in like professional play and like you know there's a lot there's a lot on the line and um you're not in your own you know you're not behind your own pc or anything like that um in front of a crowd too there's obviously some added pressure there as well and maybe that's what kind of seeped into the outlaws or pelican in like we're in a high pressure situation and you kind of Oof. revert back. And I think everybody kind of gets this too. I don't think this is just a pro player thing, actually, thinking about it. Like, you're in a situation where your team's doing kind of bad, and you're like, I have to be the hero. I have to do these plays. I have to go in, and I have to pick up three kills with this Dragon Blade, otherwise we fucking lose. I'm sure everybody's kind of felt that in some respect. Doesn't matter the fucking game. Doesn't matter the situation. Like, you have to be that person to pop off. And maybe that's what happened here. Um, Pelican was like, holy shit, we're not doing well. What the fuck's going on? I need to step up and be the hero right now. And then in it, in it inadvertently affects the game plan that they went in with. And that's for getting a, a poorer result. Although, like we said before, they did face two good teams. So. They did face two good teams. All right. That's it for the Western side of the Summer Showdown bracket. Uh, let's move on to the East. That was way more straightforward. I'd like to say. Uh, I was trying to conjure up some <laughs> topics. That's what <laughs> happens when you have two teams in the Eastern region, Johnny. Uh, yeah, pretty um, much. We only have two elite teams. Yeah, they, he charges there. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that, Justa. <laughs> All right. We'll yeah. discuss them <laughs> later on. Let's instead kick things off with the, uh, the Shanghai Dragons winning the Summer Showdown in the East. It was a 4-2 finals over the Soul Dynasty. Only dropped three maps throughout the entire fucking tournament. And two of them came from the finals. This team is just unbelievable. Yep. Well, it's like, I, I actually had them like fourth heading into this tournament, um, like, you know, weeks ago. And it was under the guise of like, I just didn't respect how good they are in a coordination meta. And I was a little worried that Void and Fate, like Fate, Void would be the better Junker Queen, but then Fate is better like calling with the team. But Honestly, it didn't even feel like it was just coordination. Mechanically, they're all just like some of the best in their role. Like, if not the best in their role. Uh, Lip is probably the best hit scan in the world with just how consistent he is with like just levels of performances. Who are you? I think is the best Genji in the world with just like what he is able to accomplish. Um, Lee J Gon was having a great moment. Uh, he is just so insane when he decides to not feed. And I had my concerns about Izayaki on the brig with like his playstyle, but he was actually fucking ridiculous at brig as well. So honestly, Shanghai just outpaced everyone else. Soul Dynasty was the only one who could really hold a candle to them, which wasn't too surprising. Um, but Shanghai head and shoulders, just like Dallas, head and shoulders the best team in the East. Yeah. I, I looked at the finals because uh, I was want to recap the Don't Watch Point show. And like there, there was one thing that just really was just mightily impressive to me when I, I looked through the game. Um, and let, let me preface this by saying this. So usually when you have people discussing like how to use Commanding Shout, for example, with Junker Queen. Um, and this goes for a lot of different compositions. You generally like to favor one playstyle. Like either you're aggressive, aggressively minded team. You want to engage first. You want to use Commanding Shout first because you want to engage with it. Or you want to be a team that like sits back and you use commanding shout reactively because that's going to give you an edge where like you can you can shoot down your opponent's commanding shout health um, and then you can abuse their positioning with your own commanding shout using it as a reaction kind of tool. That what, what just impressed me so much with the Shanghai Dragons was like their neutral positioning. Um, 
Where Seoul Dynasty throughout the tournament, I'd say that they were a bit more of a reactive team. They like to sit back a bit more. We saw Fitz favor the Ash on a lot of different maps. Um, and they wanted to be the one who just like poked down their opponent and then they would shout in and like capitalize on the damage dealt by the Rash, etc. It felt like the Shanghai Dragons. They were like so aware of that that they would almost like always sit on the fence and neither be like too aggressive or too passive by themselves. They would just like let Soul Dynasty get into their positioning and then they would spread out. Um, they would get concave superior positioning and to use a concept that... Um, God, what's his name? There's a, there's a coach that does amazing YouTube videos, analysis videos. Cat something? I don't know what his name oh, is. Oh, Evil Cat? Yeah. Is that it? It's Evil Cat. I don't know. Uh, but he has a concept. Valorant caster? Yeah, that's what I thought. Evil Cat isn't that the Valorant analyst. Um, yes. Evil Cat is Mimi, the Valorant. Yeah, the Mimi. Yeah. Mimi yeah. Who am I thinking of then? Yeah, I'm, I, I, we're thinking of the same person. I just can't yeah, come yeah, up with yeah, the yeah, name. Yeah. Yeah. It's the drawings, you know, the black screen, and then there's like the paint drawings with like the positioning. Chat will know. Chat will figure it out, and then I'll get there. But, it's, um, but basically, like, there's a good concept that he broke down, which is like, it, it, almost like having superior, like, neutral positioning will over time give you the uh, egoist cat egoist oh, cat. cat yeah, yeah there it is egoist cat um will give you like the edge so like if you have slightly better neutral positioning over your opponent that slight advantage is over time going to like win you the fight um and so that's why you have like almost like a constant kind of battle for neutral positioning to not let your opponent just have superior positioning because over time you'll lose that fight unless you take some of that um positioning back or like push them back shanghai dragons they're just like fucking masters of setting up neutral fights to make sure they always have like a very slight edge. And it forces the opponent's hand, Soul Dynasty is in this case, to like take unadvantageous fights um, and force Soul Dynasty's hand. And then Shanghai Dragons, they capitalize on that forced movement to win the fight after Soul Dynasty has been forced to use their own commanding shout, to speed in, to use some kind of ability, uh, whatever it is. Shanghai Dragons, they're great at setting up neutrally and then capitalizing on your opponent's kind of reaction to that. It's just mind-blowing. Not only do they have, like, the best, uh, the best player in, like, these individual roles, like the best Sojourn or, like, arguably the best Genji, uh, depends on how you want to compare proper and who are you, whatever. They're just, like, so good when it comes to, like, positioning and that stuff as well and then utilizing their ultimate abilities. It's mind blowing. Like I, I said before, I said the before I watched the finals, the Dallas Fuel four uh, zero, that Shanghai Dragons is just like the best, best Overwatch team like I've ever seen. Like it's just unbelievable what they did in that meta. I'm not so sure after the four zero. I, I like to see Dallas Fuel Shanghai Dragons go head to head, but I, I, I just, I, just, I just can't FOMOing about this Shanghai Dragons team. Like that was honestly unbelievable to watch what they did from like an Overwatch, um, Overwatch level they played at. So. Yeah, just very impressed overall. There you go. There you go, APAC fans. There you go, APAC fans. You're <laughs> tossing a little crumb in the. Well, dish. they always say like Platchat don't go, don't fans. like like appreciate APAC enough. I don't know. I I was incredibly impressed by Shanghai Dragons. So there you go. I mean, we appreciate APAC. It's just there's been two teams that have been good though. Yeah, <laughs> like the whole time for this stage, right? I am disappointed that Dynasty, I felt like they had like a, they had a better final than we had in North America. So I'll give them that. Like they put up a decent fight and everything, but um, yeah, Dragons are a little bit of a head and shoulders about better than everyone else. And I do, I do, I think your point about the neutral fight is a really good point too, because like comparatively to like Fuel, who I think makes a lot more heads up plays versus trying to idle it out, you know, 
and like okay we're like working we're taking areas like we're poking fuels like much more like because he's there's a shock we're like i think a lot of people gave kilo that the issue was like he's gonna pick so much where it's like well first they focus kilo then they focus kaluj and then they, they so then shock are like oh we're gonna help kaluj it's like okay now we're back to kilo yeah so they just kept like rotating their focus like really quickly um while dragons i think are just masters of like owning the map without necessarily making a play you know uh and it's hard to beat that when you have players that are that good because also who are you is the best speaking of neutrals the best genji in the neutral in terms of just like taking everyone's position away and doing a ridiculous amount of damage to force away the other genji player or like a, a delusio or something so it's just it, this team is fucking incredible right now i'm just sad because i'm mostly sad because of the fact that the dynasty early in the year brought me in made me believe and has hurt me ever since um which is very sad uh, because I do really like what they do and I like the team. It's just clear that in this meta, Dragons were superior um, now. You know, pretty clear that they were the fucking, they were fucking incredible and they have amazing players across the board. Though also with Void, Pinchy saying he's retiring next year at the end of this season. Um, that's pretty brutal because like, who the fuck are you going to get to replace that guy? Yeah, it who seems like there were several as well. Yeah, like who the hell are you gonna? They'll throw the bag at someone. Players? That's the that's the Shanghai Dragon special. Yeah, I'm sure, but the problem is like there's a select There's a select group of players that are like even close to like that void caliber of tank, oh, yeah. and even then you can make the argument that void might be better than all of them, right? So hard to hard to get. Yeah, I, it's nice to see them hit the hit, hit like the ground running at the right time now because Shanghai Dragons. After what I just witnessed, like I'm, I'm I want to see them go into the playoffs, going head to head against some of those other teams. Like, dude, I'm uh, oh, I'm actually yeah. so so upset that like we didn't have the cross region thing this time around because Dallas Fuel against Shanghai Dragons would have been one for the ages. But alas, we have to deal with a 4-2 over Soul Dynasty and a 4-0 finals in the West. So I do really wish there was one region again. Yeah. Because we see that shit on a daily basis. I wish there was one more one region again, yeah. yeah. Split region. Do you always say one sucks. more? We'll have one more region. We'll split North America in two. And we'll have half on the east, half on the what west. What if we made a region for Europe, guys? No, <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh. It can, be a one, it can be a one-team regions. It can yeah, be a one-team region. Just London Spitfire. Just London Spitfire because, really what, Paris are going to Vegas? Paris are going to Vegas, so <laughs> yeah. it'll be a one Johnny's region. asking for a thing, and they're just like, no, we're just going to give up on Europe. It really yeah. feels like that. <laughs> I, I, don't, I mean, I don't even mind that. I would like to see one region again, though, you know? Yeah, Can't. dude, imagine seeing, like, dragons and shit in this meta against even, like, Shock or, like, Soul Dynasty against Shock. That would be a fucking banger. Like, man. We I don't are, think it's um, even a problem that you have multiple regions. You just need to be able to bring them to together more often. Well, right? the thing is, I think it's we were supposed this is a to, whole right? other meta fucking discussion, we're, right? But like, there aren't enough teams. There aren't enough teams in APAC right now. Well, yeah, right. they 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 need to have more teams in the regions, and then obviously we need to just be able to travel. And like, obviously, we have the issue yeah. with COVID in China, which has just been a big limitation, especially going into this year. Obviously, it might be better now, but people at the time were just like, well, they can't even leave their apartment. They can't even leave yeah. their building at this point. So it's hard to plan and ex you know, prepare for a land that no one is expecting to happen or like be able to get out of the country. So you know, hopefully next year it'll be better. 
That's a vibe if oh, I ever seen one. Please. 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 Man crying and man screaming at camera. Please, God. Please. Yeah. Would be nice to see the regions clash a bit more often. All right. Actually, okay, actually, my counterpoint to that, it's not even about regions having more teams and regions. I want every team to have at least some form of trying because that's the big thing that hurts me is that like I just don't like okay. looking at teams that aren't trying and teams that are good. Sorry. That's fair. Valiant. Go back to the promised land. I'm looking at you primarily. What if we had relegation, guys? No, I'm kidding. Let's uh, move on uh, with the show <laughs> here. The summer I, showdown. I, dude, the I mean, how are Valiant going to be able to, to try if they don't get paid, though? You know, how can they try if they don't get paid? <laughs> I mean, I don't... I don't, I don't you really guys are getting paid. Yeah, you guys <laughs> Let's add a square meter to their bedroom for every win in the league. Here we go. Wow. Big That's rough. Big That's really rough. Yeah, okay. I'm obviously joking. Because uh, someone's going to take that out of context. He's and be not. Like, Johnny he's said not. no. Quickly. Um, put it on Reddit. Let's talk about let's talk about the fucking fusion and the charge. Here we go, Costa. The the, the 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 mic is yours. Voice your disappointment or whatever it is you want about the Guangzhou charge and Philadelphia fusions inconsistent volatile firepower when it comes to these tournaments. The fact that they were able to uh, overcome them. I think the Philadelphia fusion cheated uh, against my That's boy crazy. Jimmy and the All charge. Right. All right. Um, That's crazy. I was told that they were going to play Carpe and Jimmy was going to clear Carpe easily, but then they decided to play their better player in MN3 and MN3 is Zesta crazy. Like who would have thought that if you just played the two best players in their roles on your team, that they would play well. Like Philly is, they never had the coordination. Their backline was a little sussy. This tournament, the way that they were using their defensive ultimates were just incredibly poor. Like they were using tempo beats at times that made no sense. Like they have rally and beat. Yet they would tempo beat and then the other team would just rally, wait out the beat and then pull their blade. And then the rally is just dead. And they did this time and time again. They did it consistently. I don't think they had a great understanding of how to play that, but they cleared the Guangzhou charge just because they have mechanically very skilled DPS players. Uh, obviously disappointing. The charge didn't get third in this tournament, but honestly, charge went four and two. It's the best stage they've had so far. Look a lot better since they made the new additions. Uh, I'm excited to see more of them, but I don't see them breaking into the top three anytime soon. Yeah, realistically, Play, planes are going to be pretty good. I mean, I, 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 I don't really see a world now where like the LA Valiant are going to triumph and take over the Guantanamo Charge playing spot here. So you do have a nice mix of teams in the East now. I think Fusion and Andro Spark they have the same amount of league points, which is twelve for the final third uh, playoff spot in the East, and then you'll have. Positions four, five, and six battle it out for the final fourth play-in playoff spot, if you will. Um, so the Guangzhou Charge, you know, whoever they have to play here now, uh, come come play-ins after this stage, whether it's the Hangzhou Spark, the Philadelphia Fusion, the Chengdu Hunters, like, I feel like Guangzhou Charge is now sort of in that tier where, like, I respect them going into those matchups. Uh, obviously, we'll see what the meta is, but I feel like Guangzhou Charge definitely elevated this stage to a point where I, I now respect them uh, going up in some of these teams. So, you respect playoff, playoff ops, not, not, not another question yet. <laughs> I hope we see a Prida this upcoming stage. That's all I'll say. Hey! No. A Prida! Dude, Dude a Prida, a Prida kind of nasty, though. No, but Jimmy, Jimmy diffs a Prida 100% of the Bench time. Like, they have to, there has to be a reason. Like, well, like they tried to <laughs> no. play a Prida and Jimmy in their academy team, and a Prida did not look good in comparison to Jimmy. Like, I would genuinely have agreed with you 
a month ago. But I, I, I just think that Jimmy is the better player right now. Maybe in the next meta, we'll see it. I would like to see a Pritta sort of live up to the hype because, you know, we obviously hyped him up a lot when he first got signed to the Hunters. And it's kind of disappointing that he made it back to the league and then isn't playing. Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly joking. I, th I think Jimmy is the better Sojourn, but, um, you know, maybe Aprilia can fill in some of the hit other hit scan roles. We yeah. don't know the next meta. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see in the next meta. I, I, kind, I, kind, of, I kind of just want to see what Aprilia's got, you know? Like, I don't want him to ro rot away on the bench like Ligue for the Hangzhou Spark. Yeah. It's like, oh, Ligue is going to be an amazing Chinese <laughs> off tank. And then we saw him like once. <laughs> and the same goes for Aprilia. Just like, Aprilia's going to be a great hit scan. And then like, we never see him. So I just want to see him play the fucking game, honestly, and see what it's got. Uh, but yeah, Jimmy seems like the better soldier for now. So um, yeah, honestly, like no disrespect to the APAC region. I just don't have anything interesting to talk about because it's almost like what we expected. The outcome is not surprising at all. Whereas like in the West, we're like Toronto Defiant. They made top three, Florida Mayhem, top four. We're like, holy shit. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> the Shanghai Dragons dominated. Check that. Seoul Dynasty, they looked really good in their current roster, as, as expected. Philadelphia Fusion, of course, they played them in three and one. All right, like, I, I'm sorry. I don't have any incredible groundbreaking discussion topic here for you guys in the East, um, other than like going into the play-ins. It's looking kind of spicy, and there's a lot of teams vying for that final fourth playoff spot, so or third and fourth. So I'm excited to see more from the East. Next topic. Do you think Spark are going to be good next stage, Johnny? Actual Spark? Yeah, to see the meta. Uh, see the well, meta. judging by uh, this it, stage, make an un and my uninformed preds, opinion. <laughs> uh, I'm judging by my preds and this stage and the re end result, I'm going to go the opposite way. Uh, Hangzhou Spark will finish last in the Countdown Cup. How about that? Let's lost. Now, let, let, let's, uh, let's hope for a bit of a reverse curse there. Uh, and okay. They'll, 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 they'll look good. Um, they're all playing each other still. There's no stage of playoffs, of course, but I guess there's still a round robin here going on, so they'll play each other again. So anything could fucking happen in the Eastern region. I don't know. I think Spark will only be good again if it's a meta where it essentially lets Alfie and Shy do whatever they want. Like, they could fuck in this meta, but the difference is they can be easy. There's a lot more counters to it, to the fucking, you know? There's a lot more. There's various contraceptives in place in forms of the rally, in forms of the shout, the rally, you know? Like, all the general health uh, differences. So, like, yeah, you can sometimes get a pick with the Sojourn, right? But it's really... But if your team is just, like, falling around you, it's really hard to stay alive. Like, if it's just, like, a meta where there's a lot more squishy targets for them to dominate, they'll be good again. But, like, honestly... What it looks like here, and don't get me wrong, I think Bernard has, Bernard has had good moments. It just, I think that team is entirely dependent on those two. I think those two are literally the two most important players, and everything has to be built around them, like owning the whole game. So, all right, here we go. Um, so that's actually all, all for the summer showdown, uh, playoffs, and you know, the couple of topics before that. Uh, I do want to comment though. There was some patch notes, quote-unquote, leaked on the Competitive Overwatch uh, subreddit. Um, and, did, did, well, I don't know why I'm even saying this, but the community <laughs> the community seems to agree, like, yes, these are these seems like the correct patch notes based on the patch notes' reasonability. Um, so, yeah, take that for what you will. Um, I, 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 this is unconfirmed. We have no idea if this is actually, like, the actual patch notes itself. So I say we will wait a week, because... By next week, surely we'll actually have the confirmed release patch notes. So we yeah. might as well just fucking, yeah, instead of just speculating wildly on the fact that this is going to be the confirmation, let's just fucking wait 
for the confirm changes next week and we can talk do like a count on cup preview with all of the changes what we think will be the meta the power rankings of the teams and we'll make some preds as well so let's say the... nerf shout don't care that's it nerf shout <laughs> yeah that's why everyone wants to, to believe that these are the patch notes like yeah the shout yeah. is nerfed guys <laughs> let's if this is true if we're going into a reaper meta if they reduce that spread back down to seven again Dude, Wait, what are they doing to Reaper? They're reducing weapons. You know how they in the in the alpha slash beta when they had the spread at seven and then they were like, "This I is too strong." They put it back to eight, and but everyone was playing Reaper. It's seven times. again. According to the yeah, patch notes, they only said it's a discredit. Reaper, the leak, baby. the leaked patch notes also supposedly have a bunch of diva buffs. So like, Reaper that is true. Really be super hardcore. So like, so like, who knows? Obviously. Yeah, but they're all who damage knows? related, according to the. The ones on Reddit. They're all damage related, but the thing is, that's good enough. Oh, as that's, good. Thing, you have that's good. Think how much yeah. damage tanks have done in recent memory. Like, fucking chunk. That's kind of what Diva needs to be more relevant. Like, yeah, her yeah. nullification no damage is good, but she just doesn't do enough yeah. damage. So. She was the peel tank in Overwatch 1, and now she is just not that. Also, according to these patch notes, Sombra gets a bit of a buff with the hack duration. Yeah, so. I saw that. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's, yeah. But yeah. I've not seen the patch notes. Don't use Reddit. What's the Sombra changes? Uh, uh, her hack is 1.75 seconds instead of one second. Which is actually kind of neat. That's pretty big. That's pretty, that's pretty big to be honest, It, it yeah. makes it a lot more valuable. Although Sombra does still kind of blow because she's super slow, but like, damn. Hacking someone for almost two seconds, like manual hack? Woo! Yeah, crazy. Um, but but just go back to that Reaper point you made as well. For people unaware, that basically like before the Overwatch League started and the pros played on the the the, the pre-practice whatever the thing alpha? like Alpha, Re Reaper was busted because what happened is like when you remove uh, Cassidy's flashbang and when you remove Brigitte's stun and you just make it like a knockback or whatever instead, Reaper just like nothing counters me. I can just walk wherever I want yeah. and just shoot and heal and that is great. So. Uh, it was essentially Reaper meta internally for like weeks on end. Plus um, he had speed boost too, because he uh, had the, D the old DPS passive and he just, it's literally WM1. Yeah. There's a know. world in which we end up in a Lucio Arisa Reaper meta off of just these patch notes at the back. I would, I don't think anybody would complain about an Arisa meta. Like, Arisa well, if you cool do an, if you do like though. an Arisa Reaper meta, that's just we're just essentially like a brawl meta with extra steps. Yeah. Playing Arisa yeah, they, sucks they, they ass. Buffed, they buffed BAP as well, so it might be like a Lucio BAP Arisa Reaper. Oh, like sustain rush. Yeah, like it's just, yeah, old it's just brawl. Uh, brawl. Sustain yeah. meta again. Woo! Yeah, I don't oh, know about yeah. So I mean, who knows? I mean, like, who who exactly knows? But I mean, like, that's essentially there only there's only two metas, right? It's either sustain. Or not, or sustained, not. yeah. <laughs> All right. Good well, but dive job, guys. is like not sustained, right? So, We've yeah. successfully speculated about unconfirmed patch note changes <laughs> and made up the worst possible metas <laughs> possible that the community cannot be upset about for a week straight before our next episode. <laughs> uh, so. There you go. We did, we did a great job there, guys. I'm very proud of all of you. I'm sorry, Johnny. I can't <laughs> undermine you on funny, that one. It was funny. It was funny. I need to complain about the sustain metas. I can't stop it. Um, all right. One more segment. Brent's player of the week. Who's oh, getting shit. Brent's player of the week? I feel like there are probably a lot of good candidates here, right? Come on now. We had, it was we had a Krusty's live tournament. birthday today. Who? Frosty's birthday. Oh yeah, but he lost. You can't. We can't give it to him. No, he didn't. Matter? Well, he, he's <laughs> the best. Loser. What do you mean he didn't lose? He's the best. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the best loser. He got first in losing. Loser. According That's to true. him, he got first loser as second place. Birthday. First loser. Kaluja's family. Someone in chat says. Oh, okay. oh yeah, that's a good the one. The Kaluja family was fun. 
They the did Kalush pop off. Uh, the, one of the first like camera shots we saw a Kalush family, it was like eight fucking, or like it might have been more, but it was like eight fucking little Kalush heads on little yeah. sticks. It was so good. They did go crazy when uh, Kalush came up. It was uh, it was really cool. Yeah. Hanbin There's is a, a lot of good show. choices. Yeah. Hanbin's a good show. A lot of yeah. really good choices. Hanbin's a really good like, show. Like, it's tough yeah. to pick. Who, who do you but think? But I'll give us? it a Kalush family if you want to pick. I mean, like I said, there's a ton of fucking good choices. Like, I mean, if we're based off pure player stuff, it should probably be Hanbin. Um, it like you know, like I think for like that performance at though. Granted, you could also make the argument that it could should probably it could maybe be like who are you, right? For dragons, right? You could like two different players to potentially give it to. You could pick in someone the spirit of Bren's player of the week. In the spirit, though, it should in, be. It can't be anything to do with how well people play. In the Kalusha's spirit, family. This should probably be Kalusha's family in that yes. case or yeah it should probably be Kalusha's family i think that's probably the one i'm trying to think of who else but like it or probably should be matt misterello's legs for reaching higher than anybody oh, ever thought could that's reach. True. that sounds like a brand play of the way mr morello could kick very high i posted he a video of it weirdly high he oh, he stays indoors like 27 hours a day he can kick incredibly what high do you mean? Kick it was just hand. like 90 degrees it, well, it, you well, think I, so I'm impressive. surprised Matt kept his impressive. legs. Yeah, it was impressive because we expect him to be mostly immobile. Yeah. Um, for the majority and of this is time, after he, we've eaten, too. We fholop yeah, we full up on food shit, out. and then Matt's out here fucking kicking Danny's hand. Dude, Matt should sick. be an MMA fighter. I would follow that career. Honestly, Matt should do it. Matt's so into the UFC. I didn't realize he was he so is, into yeah, it. Yeah, he's so watching the UFC. We'll be like in group chats, and he'll just be like, hey, yo, this guy tonight, man, he's fucking pummel him. Like, no one else knows anything room, about though. <laughs> it was matt watching ufc on his phone and then telling danny he should play uh, he should get into the ufc that, <laughs> yeah that was all the what the group that was mostly what, the what it was, was uh, like the entire time and then it was so funny. like i think we had like also the other premium matt experience where like we're in the middle of toronto beautiful diverse city so much food and he's like, let's go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, shut the fuck up, man. We are not going to Buffalo Wild Wings. Which, which is pretty pretty funny because me and Custo, we obviously had Pocket on the desk this past week. Pocket, huge NFL guy, loves football and so excited that football was, of course, back this week. Uh, and so the story was I didn't get this confirmed from it, that he ordered Wingstop every day for like four days straight yeah. and on the final oh day God. In the, on the Sunday when like football actually started uh, we were like oh we're gonna order lunch whatever from Bendocino Farms because it's like a healthy option we like their stuff and so Pocket put in this order and then ordered an extra additional $50 of wings from Wingstop delivered to the truck <laughs> itself and was like guys I got so much wings right here for all of us just Johnny you, Johnny you want some wings come on some wings and was, it was that yeah so a lot of wings between matt morello and pocket well, yeah. we actually he didn't we didn't end up getting wings we we did we convince him, him not to do that, that oh, okay we all talked right. him down we we also collectively said fuck no matt we're not going to buffalo yeah. wings in toronto yeah. so we did not do that so i mean okay we have to make a choice you have to make a choice here johnny you're 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 technically hosting you have to make what makes it no i i i think we all agree then chat seems to back it as well we're going with matt's ability to kick high is Brent's right, play of the week? All right. Matt's well, horizontal kicking skills. <laughs> we need more videos, okay? That video was like two seconds long, or not even, like one well, second. Well, I long. had a longer version of it, but like it just has more like after chatter. That's the mo that's the action. 
Does it just like pop off when when he kicked that high? Was everyone just popping everybody, off? Everybody was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> we're all, we're we're all sitting on the side. So high. <laughs> we were really like, surprised. It was like that right before Danny. Like I had like multiple videos I've been using all weekend from that. That's hilarious. Danny doing shit. It was just that did sum up the Toronto trip, honestly. With a kick, that single kick. With how high that kick. kick. Yeah, it was everyone yeah, going, "Whoa!" Yeah. Like, to be fair, like people were looking at us weird. The people like walking past and shit, and we're all standing around. A guy holding his hand like directly <laughs> horizontal outwards, and then another guy trying to kick it like <laughs> for a good like five minutes. It was also so looks stupid. like as soon as he did manage to get high, but upon landing, it looks like he was about to fall over. It looks like his bow. Yes. He looked, you can see him wobbles a lot. It's not very firm. <laughs> That's fine. Dude, if you're in the UFC, yeah. you only need one kick. You only need one true. good kick. And true. Matt is that one good kick. He's that like one so punch true. man, but one kick man. One kick man, Matt Morello. All right, lovely. I got so much FOMO about Toronto now. I missed out on the kicking. Yeah. Uh, oh, all right. Oh, That's going to do it for uh, Platchet Overwatch episode, I believe it's 143. Woo! Uh, we'll be back yeah. next week. We'll be doing some previewing of the Countdown Cup. We'll discuss the meta. Uh, all the players' knee-jerk reactions to playing the game for two days. And uh, the schedule, who's going to make it to the playoffs, the play-ins, all that good stuff. We'll